Sports Cage Podcast is brought to you by the Canadian Brew House. Order your favorite CBH menu items from the comfort of your home with Skip the Dishes. official radio partner of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. This is the Sports Cage on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. Here's your host, Derek Taylor. It's 4.05 on a Wednesday, the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. We are loaded with stars and champions and you, you just can't stop the incredible interviews that we have for you today. Farhan Lalji right at the bat, 4.15. We'll talk about how Cody Fajardo's contract may be influencing the rest of the quarterback market going forward. 4.30, Riders linebacker Micah Tights. He is back under contract for 2022. We'll talk to him. 5.05, NHL with Alan Mitchell. 5.30, Saskatoon's finest, Emily Clark, off to her second consecutive Olympics. She will drop in. And 6.05, Saskatchewan's Scotties champion, Penny Barker. Off to Thunder Bay at the end of the month for the National Scotties. Her second trip to the big dance. That plus we got rider news, news from around the Canadian Football League, news from the Pats. We've just uh, literally, absolutely, and Abby, I know you've been riveted to it all day. Absolutely <laughs> everything going on in the sports world on a Wednesday. Love well, it. That's why uh, we have a sports talk show, so oh, we can get through all of it. Amazing, and we want you in on it. 306-936-6262. It's our text line. It's brought to you by the Saskatchewan Rough Rider Foundation. It's the Chase the Ace Rider Edition text line. The big news for the riders. Yeah. Resigning running back, Jamal Morrow. The email came out, the release from the riders, and they said... The Riders re-signed running B, and that's that's all that got in my top line of the preview. I'm like, well, which one? Because this could be enormous one way and potentially pretty big the other way. This is the way in which it is pretty big. Running back Jamal Morrow back with the Riders for 2022. He, of course, had one start very late in the season, nine carries, 41 yards, three receptions as well. But what we'll remember Jamal Morrow's 2021 for is this from the Western semifinal. High spiraling kick. Morrow's going to have some room from the 41. 45, 50. Morrow still alive. Jamal Morrow. He will run away from almost everybody for the touchdown. Jamal Morrow. And the Riders have the lead. Saskatchewan's been waiting for one of these for 14 straight weeks. And the thing that keeps that from being the perfect call was Zach Caleros trying to hustle down the field. Come on, oh, pardon me, not Caleros. Deshaun Amos hustling down the field. Whereas, oh, was he going to catch him? No, don't catch him. Please don't catch him. But there's, you just heard it with Melander. He just knew it. House call. It's great. <laughs> Is there anything more exciting than when that happens? Like a guy breaks through and you just you see daylight and you're like, oh my goodness, this is going to happen. Yeah. Well, and especially doubly so since they. They got a little hosed on the missed field goal return for a touchdown, right? right? That one got called back for a penalty, so it w it was pent up. It was two seasons of pent up, like, why can't we get a, a massive return from the Riders? And then at one of the most critical moments of the season, boom, there's Morrow busting one through. So Morrow's back. Morrow's been a running back. They know he can do it. We've been waiting to see it. We got to see it in the Hamilton game. 
Does this mean anything for William Powell is now the question that that comes from it. Maybe we throw this to you on the text line. Would you bring William Powell back for 2022? Morrow under contract. They'll inevitably have other running backs as well. But at 33, is William Powell's time with the Riders done in your mind? And does this send a message to Powell or not by Morrow being signed first? That's kind of the first thing I saw it because uh, like okay. you, I saw the release come along and yeah. it was like running AB and it's like, oh, who did we sign today? I was curious. And like I said, I like Powell. I'm just not sure if uh, if it's time for us to turn the page there or not. And so when I saw that it was Morrow, I went... Okay, maybe we are turning the page. Maybe it's going to be his chance, or uh, maybe they're going to have somebody in camp that uh, will light it up that'll end up stealing that job. But I did like what I saw from Morrow in yeah. you know, where they used him last year. He's got a little burst in him, right? He took over that return job as they, they tried to find someone in the return game. Marcus Murphy first, Rashard Davis got some, some reps. It eventually became Morrow. And he's got a little burst to him. We've we've always kind of seen from training camps, he's got a little juice. And he gets to show it. And potentially, it's not February yet, and we don't know what the Riders' total plans are in free agency, but potentially more from the running back. But in a Jason Moss offense, you kind of have to be the number one running back to get the carries because there aren't a lot of others to go around, just the way he goes. Yeah, and you're a stats guy, and we know that uh, you know Powell was all right, but his you know yards per carry was was Bad. was not Bad. was not at the top of the league, right? So second uh, to last, yeah. yeah. So <laughs> was... you know he got the ball, but you know he was getting himself what a few yards maybe per carry. I know that he was yeah. utilized in other ways as well. Oh, uh, his receiving was fantastic. Yeah. yeah, and and I felt you know in the playoffs, I, I I thought personally that he played better. There was more. I don't know if it was a chip on his shoulder that. He just, you know, really wanted to prove that he, uh, you know, he was the guy. And, and I, I thought that he did help us a lot yeah. in the playoffs. But, uh, yeah, when you come down to brass tacks and stats, like you said, uh, second to last when it comes to yards per carry. And if you're the running back, there has got to be some expectations yeah. uh, that uh, we're going to need you to get more than that. He still makes guys miss at a really high rate, like uh, among the elite in the in the CFL. Just if you don't have room to run, there's literally nobody who's going to be able to make it work, right? And there was fewest yards before contact were the riders running backs in 2021 he just you need a hole and when he when when he gets that hole i mean he showed in 21 he could still hit it does that exist for 2022 and should they give him a shot in 2022 the text line is open 306-936-6262 your direct connection to the sports cage you can also get us on twitter at sports cage as well it is 412 Micah Tights as we mentioned the Riders linebacker at 430 TSN football expert Farhan Lalji next he's got something to say and so do you call or text Derek now at 306-936-6262 or find us on Twitter at SportsCage this is Saskatchewan Sports Radio 620 CKRM 414 time for the afternoon rush Calgary Stampeders have signed offensive tackle Derek Dennis it'll be his third go round with the team he sat out 2020 in a little contract tiff or 2021 excuse me in a contract tiff with the Edmonton Elks Argos re-signed defensive tackle Fabian Foote the Bombers releasing defensive end Jonathan Kongbo so he can sign an NFL contract and two Pats players are on the NHL central scouting list for this year's draft 
Matthew Keeper, number 17 among North American goalies, and defenseman Leighton Feist, number 193 among North American skaters. If you're not able to spend the entire show with us, we're on a course till 6.30 every day. You can always get the Sports Cage on demand for the Canadian Brew House. Winter wonderful feature dishes available now at the Canadian Brew House. And it is a heck of a show. NHL at 5.05 with uh, Alan Mitchell. Emily Clark going to the Olympics once again at 5.30. And Penny Barker, curling champion for our fair province at 6.05. On the sports cage, let's welcome in TSN football expert who predicted Georgia would win the national championship, Farhan Lalji. Expert is absolutely right with that call, brother. Well, every blind scroll finds a nut once in a while, right? I also picked them to win the SEC championship, so in terms of Alabama-Georgia matchups, I'm one and one. Um, but it was, it was a fun game, you know, like we, we debate all the time. You and I have had this discussion, what's bad offense and what's good defense, right? Mm-hmm. And this game was a grind until, until halftime, and it felt like it was a good football game, right? I mean, teams moved the ball, they stiffened up in the red zone. Um, you know, I, I liked how aggressive Georgia was. That was the biggest takeaway, the biggest change they made from that SEC title game. You know, they, the one thing that, that Bryce Young showed is that he struggles not against pressure, because some guys do well against pressure, but he struggles against the blitz. And so they really, really attacked him a lot more. And, um, you know, he still, i got to be honest, I was still really impressed with him. I thought he made some really, really good plays in the face of a lot of pressure. Mm-hmm. But when he lost Jamison Williams, and now you got a young receiving core, and they're not going to make the adjustments needed. They drop balls. You know, I, I still thought that he had some big plays in him. And they were right there, but I just don't think he got the help. So, uh, but just Georgia's defense and you know the storylines around Stetson Bennett and everything like that—it was—it was all pretty compelling stuff. Yeah, it was—it was a great game, and the big interception return for a touchdown was a real mark of excitement to end it. And Georgia takes out Alabama uh, to win the national title that on Monday. Uh, we need to talk about a couple of guys. Uh, Lucky Whitehead one, Zach Caleros two. Uh, Lucky Whitehead, you had details of his contract, and you had a little more for us today what did what did you find out about lucky whitehead's uh, incentives within that contract or or playing time within that contract yeah you know i thought it was all hard money initially that's how it was presented to me and uh, and not by lucky's agent so you know usually those guys have a you know sometimes you'll you'll get agents to just kind of want the contract to look really really good and, and bulletproof um so you know lucky's injuries over the years and i, I think they, the club wanted to be sure they weren't putting any performance incentives in the deal uh, but as long as he plays in every game, he'll get all that money. If he doesn't, there, there's some benchmarks that, you know, 17000 at, at six games or at five games. I, I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but there there are four different 17000 benchmarks that if he uh, if he gets to game X, he gets that 17000 If he gets to game Y, he gets that seventeen, and it works his way up. So as long as he's healthy and plays, he's going to get it all. And, and you know, the worst-case scenario, he would get, uh, you know, there's 130-something but uh, if he didn't play any games, but um, you know, certainly he, uh, you'd expect that he's going to be in the lineup game one and, and just kind of go from there. But you know, for that contract to cap out at two hundred thousand is a is a pretty big number because they've got to account for that in their cap. Well, you know, with the not for performance instead of the front end, right? When you, yeah. When you budget for the season, but um, it's a big number. But it's a guy that has the Lions need him to be that guy. The Lions need him to be the guy he was a year ago. Uh, they haven't had a receiver like that in a long time, right? An explosive player who can take the top of the defense and touches it is a threat to score. And 
He showed last year he can do more than just run fades and, and you know and screens uh, and crossers, right? He can run more complex routes and still find ways to shake people and get open and, and just be a bigger part of an offense. But it, it can have a ripple effect both within the line but across the entire CFL. Yeah, he was a, he was a revelation from from game number one in the way that BC let him go out there. So he will, if he plays every game, make about two hundred grand. And the question that immediately comes to us here in Ryderville is, and your interpretation of this, sir, what does that do to a potential contract for Duke Williams? Is free agency well, draws near? On top of that, not just Duke Williams, but what about Kenny Lawler? What about Brian yep. Burnham? Right. And those, to me, are the next three, right? Jake Weineke is probably on the fringes of that. Certainly a great red zone guy, but uh, doesn't have the same numbers those guys do as far as just general receptions and yardage. But, you know, there's there's some pretty good receivers that are available. You know, you've got a tier below that. Like, you know, where does Kyron Moore uh, fit in, you know? So it's going to affect everybody because when you looked at Gene Lewis's deal at 170 hard, mm-hmm. you looked at Reggie Bagleton at 167 hard, um, you would have thought, wow, okay, so now there's a window right in there, right? I mean, if you're the Bombers, you probably were hoping that you'd be able to get Kenny Lawler in that 170 range. And if you're Saskatchewan, you're hoping you can get Duke Williams in that 170 range. Well, all of a sudden, Lucky Whitehead's numbers have changed now, right? So, you know, and, and let me ask you a question, because I, I, I've picked the brain of a number of coaches and executives around the league and their responses all over the place. Yeah. Those three guys I just mentioned, Burnham, Lawler, and Williams, rank them. Uh, Duke Williams won. Brian, well, as far as what I would pay them, let's go in as far as what I would pay them a season. Duke Williams won, Burnham two, forget, Lawler forget three. One, forget one, best player. Oh, uh, we are, I would say Based that. on the Derek Taylor analytics formula. Uh, me doing the interview now, not you. I would say Duke won by a teeny tiny margin over Brian Burnham two by a significant margin over Kenny Lawler three. How about that? Really? Uh, okay. And why the significant margin? Why is Kenny Lawler a distant third in your mind amongst those three? I think Lawler's shown it over one. Lawler had a fantastic one year, right? He played. He had sixteen. Yeah. I think sixteen games probably played uh, over the one year. He showed a little bit of everything. Burnham is the best pass catcher of his generation. Uh, he creates sure. receptions. So, he's not, a, and he's so not. There's, there's, go ahead. So there's, there's context in all of that, right? For sure. So, so you're not wrong, you know. And, and guys that have, I've had guys say to me just what you said, Kenny Lawler, uh, one year. Show it to me again. Yep. I've had guys say Burnham is a depreciating asset. Potentially, right? sure. Rightly or wrongly, because of those guys, he's 31. The other guys are 27 and 28. I've had coaches tell me that they think Burnham wins every contested catch because everything has to be contested because he doesn't separate um duke williams uh like the, the physical freak of that trio but has had some injuries right and um y- you know like there, there's a little less consistency the ceiling is way higher yes right but the consistency is a little different compared to the other three right that if you really lock into them you know you, you can find ways to take them out um, and then there's the other context right in that if you're Winnipeg, like if you're bc you don't have a single elite defensive lineman or a single elite offensive lineman. Like, you don't have a guy that you can't replace, right? Whereas Winnipeg had two defensive linemen that were pretty irreplaceable. And you had A.C. Leonard, who had 11 sacks in 11 games in Sask, yep. right? So if you're Winnipeg, you have to give the money to D linemen. You have to give the money to O linemen. 
And so you can't sit there and say, Kenny Lawler, we're going to pay you 190 or 200. You just can't do that. Yeah. Right? yeah. And if you're, if you're Sask and you just paid AC Leonard and, you know, you've got some other things. Now, the Sask one is interesting because Cody Fajardo, I've heard they're not going to renegotiate his deal off 512. And, like, that's the elephant in the room. It's the elephant in the room for Zach Caleros. Yep. It's the elephant in the room for Mike Riley if he comes back. It's the elephant in the room for Sask because of how much cap space he's eating up so that you could potentially not pay Duke Williams after you've just paid A.C. Leonard, right? So, like, I, I'm shocked that they're not renegotiating his deal, but that I've been told that as of this moment, they're not. Mm-hmm. So if they don't, like, that, like that's got similar ripple effects both within Saskatchewan's ability. Like, it's not just like the Whitehead. It's you paid A.C. Leonard, now you're paying Cody Fajardo that much, right? It's making less than Bo Levi Mitchell. He, Cody Fajardo is now the, the floor for Zach Caleros' deal. Yeah. Yeah, right. we, whereas before it would have been Bose at 485. Now the floor is 512. You can't possibly contemplate paying Zach Caleros less than you're paying Cody Fajardo. No, you absolutely can't. And that's the thing I wanted to hit next, just to, to put a wrap on the uh, receiver thing. Uh, to me, if you're paying, if you are paying Cody what you're paying, uh, the, the way to get the, the dollar for dollar out of that is to re-sign Duke Williams. And yes, it's going to cost you in other spots. But uh, Duke, I mean, if you went to a, if you went to season where Duke walked and you were kind of iffy on whether you re-signed Shaq Evans, who's left? Kean Schaefer Baker's the star, the star of your receiving core. I don't think that's the real way that you uh, you approach a a CFL uh, season. He's Farhan Lalji, TSN football expert, with us on the Western Pizza Hotline, and uh, Dave Naylor had a co- had the column on TSN.ca, and you guys were discussing in the video of the negotiation that Winnipeg will do with Zach Kalaros is tricky. And as you mentioned there, uh, it gets trickier because of Cody Fajardo's uh, contract. Uh, Cody currently, what, the second highest paid player in the CFL behind uh, whatever Michael Riley, what the 575 Michael Riley would be due for this coming season. Yeah, you know, and, and I think that if Michael Riley plays, and I, if, if you ask me to, to bet, I would I. My gut is he's going to retire. Um, I'm not telling you that's a slam dunk. I'm not telling you that decision has been made. I, I just, if, if, based on what I'm hearing, that's the lean. But if he doesn't retire, um, like he's not coming back at 575. Right? Like the Lions will do everything they can to renegotiate off that number. And, and I think, you know, you, you have to think of that as part of the mindset when they find lucky to what they did because mm-hmm. that money's got to come from somewhere, right? Um, but uh, yeah, so, so, uh, you know whether he retires or he gets renegotiated, that number will be different. And um, you know, and, and if I, I don't know how much you want to factor that into what um, Levi Mitchell made because they had similar contracts previously, they've got the same agent and they've got some of the same circumstances around them. Except Michael's older, so um, you know, and Bo's obviously his shoulder injury is a little more significant. But yeah, as, as far as Cody's concerned, that is the interesting one, and and. Again, I can't tell you for sure they're not going to renegotiate it, but it is going to it is going to have an impact on on the rest of the deals. But overall, we're seeing a market correction at the quarterback position, right? Um, and let's say Zach gets five fifty for the sake of argument, and that that would be the high watermark, right? Right. Uh, for for what any quarterback is going to make, which is significantly different than the seven twenty five Michael signed for in twenty eighteen. So you know you're seeing a correction because. Those teams that, that are paying lights-out numbers, it's harder for those teams to have success. It's harder for those quarterbacks to have success because the cap is so small, you need people around those guys. And I think Caleros understands that, right? I mean, not that he's going to take a, 
you know, Adam Big Hill type money from a year ago. Right. But, you know, ultimately, I, I think he gets the fact that I've got the best offensive lineman in the league around me. And I've got a pretty good group of skill players led by Kenny Lawler and Andrew Harris. We'll see what happens with Andrew Harris next year. But, um, you know, like, I think he understands that. And, and I think clubs are understanding that, that we cannot, with the current salary cap, pay a quarterback that percentage of it. It just doesn't work. See, I, I question that because Riley was on whatever the equivalent of seven hundred and twty-five grand was. They still went out and fixed their offensive line problems uh, by getting – well, they, they uh, at kickoff to the season they did, right? Because they brought in Riker Matthews. And you went, oh, okay, well. Yeah, but their problems are the middle three. Oh, well, Canadians, whatever. They, they had their tackle problem. I mean, that's, that's done through the draft, right? Like, yeah, and they, they, when you give Suk Chung all of the money, you're, you're going to run into some problems. Uh, I, I felt uh, this actually looked all right. Um, they got Lucky Whitehead on. He must have been. Not very much money last year, but they got Burnham back. They brought in Dominic Rimes. Like BC in the 2020 offseason before the 2021 season, I mean, they had to go skimpy on defensive line, like you mentioned. But I thought even with that money, they managed to solve some of their problems. So I don't know that I – I know GMs like to say 725 is too much, but at the time when the market was going bonkers – it was to me. It was absolutely the move to do, and it, it makes me wonder uh, if the Riders did want to renegotiate. Why Cody Fajardo would say yes to that, other than he's a good dude? Because I can think of a few teams that would that would absolutely take a shot with Cody Fajardo. Would they take that shot at five twelve? I wouldn't say at five twelve. There may be some some gambit in there, but would you risk losing Cody Fajardo for? you have no idea who your quarterback would be because you sat down Isaac Harker in the final two games of the year. Like, the Riders would have nothing. And I think uh, whoever, Cody's representation would be, hey, we, we know what you have besides our guy. And our guy's been pretty good. He was the West MOP. So I think, I think you know me, I'm, I'm, I'm on the player's side generally of get your money. Uh, so yeah, just, I think I, there'd be I'm leverage. On, I'm, on, I'm on built rosters. I'm on balanced rosters. And, That's fair. You know, you could, maybe you could make the case that, that – um, the quarterback signing wasn't the issue. The offensive line signing was the issue, right? Like maybe that, you know, is what it looks like when Suk Chung signed for two fifty, two sixty. Um, so uh, yeah, so that like, yeah, uh, you know, either way, I think the teams that have a little more success find ways to balance out their money over their roster. Yeah, right? and and I, you know, Winnipeg's in trouble on that. Winnipeg's case, yeah, like Winnipeg's a good example of that because of what they were paying Zach Hilarus previously, right? I think it was four ten last year, so. You know, now you've got a little bit left over to, to supplement some other positions. And Lord knows, like Adam Big Hill took the, the shave of all shaves. I wouldn't expect him to do that again this time around because he's just he's coming off a defensive MVP season, right? So, um, yeah, like I said, for me, I, you know, when you look at Winnipeg, like they've got, they've got high-end people, uh, you know, at multiple positions. But that's what's allowed them to succeed. But just have consistency over an entire season, right? Like, you, you know, we got to a point by, like, week eight or even week six of the CFL season where it became Winnipeg and everybody else. And, and that yep. comes from having balance across your roster. Yeah, and being able to get super elite players uh, for less than they could get on the open market, and they're, they're back to doing that again, those terrible, terrible You want to know who the most valuable person in the Canadian Football League is? you got 30 seconds. Hit me. Michael O'Shea. It's uh, because, like, you know, there's a lot of people, yep. you know, in that organization. And, like, it's not top to bottom God's gift. It is Mike O'Shea is the centerpiece of that culture 
that people want to play for. He is the glue. When people are upset in other areas, Mike talks them off the ledge. They want to be around Mike. You know, from the personnel department to the players to the coaches, they want to be around Mike. He is the centerpiece of that culture. And I don't know of any person in any organization in the Canadian Football League that matters more in their building than Michael O'Shea. A second would be Orlando Steinauer. Yeah. And Michael O'Shea's at the top of the list. And what two teams have been in the Grey Cup each of the last two seasons. Farhan, thank you, brother. I kept you a little longer than, uh, than I wanted to, but I appreciate you, man. I'll send you the bill. See you, buddy. TSN football expert Farhan Lalji, Western Pizza Hotline. Dinner time, game time, anytime. A great time to order Western Pizza. Ask your local Western Pizza location about their specials. 431, the Riders linebacker Micah Tights next in the cage. Time for one big number. One big number for this day is 64. Riders linebacker Micah Tights led the team with 64 tackles in the 2021 season. A career high for him, no surprise, in a career best year. Riders, fortunate to get Tights back. They re-signed him in late December for the 2022 season. Looking forward to having a Canadian rip it up at that weak side linebacker spot once again. One Big Number is brought to you by Realtor June Daku. Get one big number for your farmland. Call June Daku at 306-736-7640. Proud to be your voice of the Riders, the Pats, the Rams, and all sports in our province. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Here's your host, Derek Taylor. 433 on a Wednesday. Farhan Longy saying, doesn't think the Riders are going to try to renegotiate Cody Fajardo's contract for more than $500,000. As of right now, the second highest contract in the Canadian Football League. What do you think? Would you take Cody at that rate? Would you try to renegotiate? Text line is yours at 306-936-6262. It's the Chase the Ace Rider Edition text line. He's with us. He is back for the 22-22 season. He's back on the cage. He's Micah Tights. How are you, sir? Good. How are you? I think uh, things are going pretty well, but then uh, I didn't just yeah. re-up myself for 2022. How was, uh, how was that as far as Christmas slash New Year's gifts to yourself? Oh, that was awesome. It was, uh, you know, I was glad to get it done, and, uh, you know, I was glad that, uh, you know, I was given a good offer, and it was uh, given right away, so I just feel like... Uh, it was just the perfect move for me, and uh, yeah, great Christmas present for sure. I, I'm always curious because uh, most of us don't have the situation that you have as a pro athlete, right? Like, hey, I, I work for one year, and if that year goes well, they'll bring me back for maybe two more or or one more. You you didn't? Uh, did you not want to hit? You know, total free agency, or 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 what was what was it that convinced you to resign? No, I, this is the this is the place that I'm uh, meant to be for at this point in my career. You know, I've had nothing but uh, opportunities. I have, uh, you know, I really do uh, get along with the coaching staff and some of the you know the players that uh, you know hopefully are coming back this next year as well. So, yeah, this is really you know the best place for me as a player and you know as a person as well. When you say I, I get along with the coaching staff, give me give me something that sticks out for you, be it one of the coaches that you work with or, 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 you know, what comes to mind when you say, man, I really do get along with the coaching staff of the riders. Yeah. You know, I just feel like I've been given, um, you know, lots of opportunities by uh, coach Shives and, uh, you know, I've been able to take advantage of those opportunities. I also feel 
at times um the you know the riders as a as a whole don't look at uh Canadians versus Americans they just look at best player on the roster at the time and he'll play type of thing so you know that's part of the reason how I got um my first like the the start uh, mm-hmm. to be the starter this year I kind of feel like um you know I wasn't looked at as a Canadian or this the Canadian position or an American position I just got to you know whoever was the best player was going to get to play and uh that's what happened to me this year. You know, I'm also, um, you know, really uh, enjoying, um, you know, playing for Coach uh, Dickey and just uh, he's becoming a, a great uh, leader and a motivator as well. And it's, you know, cool to see him, um, you know, progress as well as a head coach. Yeah. I feel like a, a lot of times in the Canadian Football League, when, when I hear, well, we don't care who's Canadian and who's American, I, I don't know if I always believe it, but there was a lot of the time in the season where you guys had eight and nine Canadians starting and you go, at any point, any Canadian could have lost his job to an American and still fit the ratio, and yet there was there were you for every single game, which makes makes you go as an observer. You go, yeah, he he earned that spot. He took it. He's he's better than than the other options they have, and that's great for you. Yeah, exactly. Like I mean, at any given point, I think for all all the Canadians that were starting this year, um, you know, they could they could have put anyone else in type of thing if it, if yeah. it wasn't working. And I mean. Yeah, like uh, we had a you know great regular season. Um, you know, I believe we were uh, you know a very competitive football team. Didn't work out for us in the end, but you know it was. Uh, I think we had a strong team with the amount of Canadians we played. I feel like we had the best Canadian Canadians in the CFL. When it came to your free agency, I'm just, I'm curious who you who you talked to, like who who weighed in, who did you go to for tips or advice, or or did you go? You know what? I know this is what I want to do. Yeah, like, you know, you really couldn't convince me otherwise, honestly. I got Oh, really? Advice. Nice. Uh, yeah, like, you know, it wasn't, uh, <clears throat> yeah, it's not, uh, yeah, you know, I really love playing um, in Regina. I love uh, the stadium. I love the, the people. I love just, uh, you know, where I've been able to live this these past years. I uh, I enjoy it. But, yeah, you know, I got a little bit of advice from, um, you know, some players in the past just on, um, you know, what I should be looking for and whatnot. And I think my agent, uh, Rob Fry, did a, did a great job with uh, you know the the number side and finishing off the the last bit of the deal. So yeah, Rob Fry is good people. Mm-hmm, for sure. Yeah, I really have uh, enjoyed him since the beginning. He is Riders linebacker Micah Tights with us on the Sports Cage. When you look at 2021, Micah, I'm curious what you take away from 2021 that that uh, perhaps will change you as a football player in 2022. You know, I just think uh, just learning what it feels like to play and uh, to start in so many games, uh, and like what it does, uh, how it takes a, a toll on your on your body and your mind as well. Like um, you know, playing just uh, special teams is you know it's a very hard job as well, but it doesn't uh, you know wear and tear on your body as much as uh, you know starting mm-hmm. every single game back to back. So you know, this year it's just really for me. I feel like um, you know I could continue. Uh, uh, progress through the whole season if you know just stay better um on top of things you know really uh take care of uh my body and do little things that are gonna you know just uh, help me progress at the end of the year instead of uh you know kind of level off type of thing was there a point in the 21 season where you realized oh man this actually hurts a lot more than my old job did <laughs> yeah like uh you know right at the end of the you know probably the last four games there was uh getting uh fairly uh, beat up and you know the body was 
uh, not feeling a hundred percent, but you know, you can, uh, you always find a way. Like I find uh, everything goes away on game day, but, uh, um, it's just, uh, you know, you don't feel it at the times, but it is there. So it's kind of, uh, you know, making you not at a hundred percent. Yeah. So what will you do about that in the off season or the things you're, you're planning to try or there, are there people you're going to for advice on what they do? Yeah, no, I trust, uh, like the trainer that I've been working with. I work with, work out with, uh, a couple other guys from the riders, Jake Hardy and uh, Ellie Buka. So um, you know we have a. I think we. I, tr- I think I have a good uh, system in here. But just um, you know, I'm kind of getting a little bit. You know, it's funny for me to say I'm, you know, going to be 26 for this next year. So I'm, you know, <laughs> thinking of myself as getting a bit older. So you know, kind of trying to get uh, get away. Uh, you know, from the super heavyweights now. You know, more working on just. Uh, you know, maintaining the speed and, uh, you know, maintaining uh, a healthy body, really. 26, eh? Tw- I remember. Tw- yeah. I would remember 26, but it was so long ago that I don't. <laughs> yeah. That's it's but, funny. Football's funny that way. Well, I, I just think it's, I think it's fantastic that, I mean, you're at, you're 26 and conceivably a football career could go a de- another decade uh, that you're, oh, you're already yeah. conscious of this already. I love that. Yeah, you know, I've already I've told everybody I don't think I'm ever going to retire. I'm going to be one of the guys that they gotta they gotta tell tell not to play anymore. So, yeah, I, I really love what I do. John Ryan, 39, like he's pushing 40, still going. Exactly. You know, if he can do it, I can I can hopefully do it as well. I love it. I love it. We're with Micah Tights uh, on the sports cage. You mentioned working out with uh, with Jake Hardy and uh, Ailey Buka, uh, all University of Calgary guys, and. Uh, I was going through the list, and this was just the guys who are free agents. There are so many dinos in the CFL. What's the deal there? Oh yeah, it's crazy. This year, I think um, all the, every dino that was in the CFL too was on on an active roster as well, not just a, um, a practice roster or on you know the reserve or whatever. So you know that in itself is I think the most impressive thing. But yeah, just you know for about a good chunk of like since I don't know. I don't really know when, probably uh, uh, you know, five, kind of when they started winning the Hardy Cup every year. It's just been, you know, just great players have come through each and every year. I feel like they develop uh, players uh, like nobody else. And I always think it's funny how, you know, other, other um, players uh, like to identify, you know, their school as, you know, DBU or receiver U or linebacker U and, I mean, the University of Calgary is everything you and you can you can look it up if you want to argue with it too. So, oh, I, yeah, it's just a great program. I, it'd be great radio if I could argue with you, but I I wrote down the list of running back, defensive back, lineman, defensive back, safety, receiver, center, uh, offensive lineman, safety guard, long snapper, linebacker. You're a linebacker. Like it is, it is literally every except for maybe kicker, punter. It's it's everybody else. Yeah, exactly, and uh, there's you know there's really no no sign of stopping it either. I mean, it was a little bit of a, a different year for the Dinos, I guess this year. I think COVID uh, really affected it. I'm still very close to the program. I got a little brother that still plays for the team, so um, yeah, I still think you know this this next year you're going to see uh, you know more Dinos drafted than any other school type of thing, like usual still. So yeah. You know, it's just business as usual. So if one of the Philpots ends up on the Riders a couple of years down the road, open arms. You're welcome with open arms. Oh, for sure. Yeah, <laughs> they're uh, they're going to be good players. So 
Uh, can't wait to see them in the CFL next year. All right, Mike, I'm going to put you on the spot because I had a really quick answer to this. Uh, in the non-Micah Tights division, who is the best dino in the CFL? Oh. Oh, yeah. It's uh, oh, on man. the spot I'd now. Say, I'd say uh, Sean McEwen probably, I think. I got to play with him for one year. Uh, my Well, two years, actually, on the dinos, and I think he's, uh, you know, had a great career and uh, – yeah, he's really doing well. He's really doing well with what he's uh, with what he's uh, with his career choice. Yeah, that's that's the one I would have gone to. It sounds like you might have hesitated yeah. and taken a second thought. Was there somebody that that you think maybe pushes him for best dino? Uh, you know, you know, I think Mike Adam has had the best uh, like career out of any dino in the CFL type of thing. Uh, so you know, it could e- could easily have been him as well. <sighs> Yeah, I'm. I'm trying to think. Of, I'm trying to think of um, uh, Anthony Woodson was a special teamer for quite some time. Uh, yep. uh, Anthony Parker was around uh, on and off rosters for for quite a while. He had a good run. Mike, you're Mike Adam is a really good one. Adam, yeah, Adam and McEwen. Yeah, he's been I, he's been playing it for a long time. So it's you know it's nice to be able to play with Mike as well. Learn from. Learn from someone who's been doing it for almost 10 years now. Sook Chung has been a constant starter since oh, yeah. he came into the league. Sirocco in Hamilton is is very nice. They moved mm, to the yeah, year. My one. goodness. My goodness. That's, oh, yeah. That is good stuff. Uh, all right, uh, Micah, what do you guys need in 2022 as you look at this uh, team know, in the season ahead? You know, I don't think we need anything um, major, to be honest with you. I just think um, – you know, it'd be it'd, you know, be nice to uh, you know sign some of the the key players back from um, 2021, and then also you know look to see if there's any you know upgrades that are looking to play in in Saskatchewan or looking to play like for the Riders. And I think it's a great opportunity for for you know the elite players to want to come and and play for the Riders. I think it's the best place to play football in the CFL. You're not going to get anything like it anywhere else. So you know, I just think. Um, Nothing major, but maybe uh, you know a couple. Be nice if a couple of uh, the CFL's best also uh, wanted to jump ship and come join us. A lot of guys could look good in green. I'm just saying. Uh, the only mm-hmm. the only thing I would change would be don't have 17 guys on the six game injured list. Avoid the terrible, terrible luck that befell you guys in of 2021. Course, yeah. yeah, I think it'll be much uh, better this year with uh, you know a true off season and uh, hopefully no COVID interferences. Yeah, fingers crossed on that because the CFL really, as as COVID starts affecting other sports or is well into affecting other sports again, yeah, you guys really were able to thread the needle and get that Grey Cup in just in time. Yeah, for sure. I think I got COVID uh, probably two weeks after. Did you that. really? After, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it just uh, it was happening uh, to everybody. Nothing major or anything, obviously, but just uh, seems like everybody's been getting it. Yeah, what was it like for you? Because I've I've had friends on on every part of the spectrum. Well, not the really serious ones, but laid in bed for five days and, and it hurt to not even move. What was what was yours like? Pretty, um, pretty. Yeah, it was just pretty much a head cold type of thing, and I uh, that's good. Just went to shoppers just to see uh, what uh, what it was, and it ended up being positive. So you know, just took the took the break. Uh, yeah, just took a little break, stayed at home type of thing. So. Wasn't too big of a deal for me. 
that's uh, that's good that sounds uh that sounds like I hope it is for most folks, but uh, yeah, unfortunately, yeah, you got a little lucky with that one. Uh, that is great to hear. Micah, thank you so much, man. I appreciate you giving us some time. I'm so glad to see uh, 43 will be back in that linebacking core again next season and looking forward to, to seeing what you put out there this year. Yeah, thanks. Micah Tights, the right of linebacker. The connection kind of broke there at the last second. Nice enough to be with us on the Western Pizza Hotline. Dinner time, game time, anytime. A great time to order Western Pizza. Ask your local Western Pizza location about their specials. There were games where the Riders went, you know what, we're going to have nine Canadians start. Legit nine Canadians, not, you know, seven and two of the Canadians they created with the American veterans. Legit nine Canadians. So at any point, they could have said, you know who we're going to start at Will Linebacker instead of Micah Tights? Player X. Coaches could have done that. And it's to Micah's testament that even without, there's a certain protection that the ratio offers Canadian players. None of those Canadians had it because they could have been replaced at any moment. And and props to him for for locking down that spot, leading the riders in tackles and Man, he was he was very nice. As I mean, had to replace an all star in Cam Judge. Well, uh, goes to show you how much great talent we actually do have in this country. We don't have to just rely on players that come up from the states. Uh, yeah. Homegrown um, sometimes can be best. I love it. I, I love it, and great to know that Micah will be back. Uh, for the coming season. This segment of the show for Nick's Service in Emerald Park, your local Massey Ferguson, Challenger, Rogator, Gleaner, and Fent dealer. Call 781-1077. Alan Mitchell of TSN 1260 on the NHL at the top of the clock in the cage. Live from the sports cage, it's Derek Taylor and the panel. To have your say, call 306-936-6262. Out of town, call toll-free 1-866-767-0620. The Source 620 CKRM. 4.50 on a Wednesday. Time for the sports ticket. The Riders re-signing running back Jamal Morrow today. Morrow started one game in 2021, and he returned a punt for a touchdown in the Western semifinal. Elk signing linebacker Matthew Thomas. You may remember that name. The Riders released him from their practice squad back in October. Sports ticker brought to you by Bronco Plumbing and Heating, where professional service is guaranteed. Calls, pardon me, uh, they'll treat you right. 781-2090. From the uh, text line, we were asking about Jamal Morrow signing and what that does potentially for William Powell. Murray hits us up at SportsCage to say perhaps the Powell money be better spent on an offensive tackle. I think Morrow can step up and be the number one running back. Uh, Ryan asks, I think Shaq Evans, is he under contract for next year? I'm under the impression he is not. Uh, you are correct. As far as receivers under contract, Gosh, they are down to Kean Schaefer Baker and probably Ricardo Lewis as far as receivers under contract. Of course, Lewis is coming off a an Achilles injury in the final regular season game, but Kyron Moore free agent, Shaq Evans, uh Duke Williams, Braden Lenny's obviously off in the NFL. Who Justin McKinnis is a free agent as well. Uh, Rashard Davis, I believe, would be under contract. But as far as the starters, uh, Ryan, you are right. Shaq Evans is a free agent and one that we will be very curious to see how it goes. Cody Fajardo, at the moment, the second highest paid player in the Canadian Football League. Only Michael Riley, who would be on $575,000, would come in at a higher rate 
Farhan Lalji telling us he doesn't think the Riders are going to try to renegotiate with Cody, which would be nice. I always like I like to know that guys get paid big bucks when they've produced big results. And I I just I absolutely hate the well he should take a pay cut for his teammates. I just I can't take that. Well Riley shouldn't take seven hundred twenty five grand because teammates. Yeah, that's what it takes to get me. You want me there, you're going to pay the rate to get me there. And you can figure it out because my job is to quarterback and take shots from defensive ends who want to kill me, and your job is to put a team on the field. Well, we kind of discussed this a little bit last week and uh, just felt that, I mean, Cody's one of those players that is, you know, on the upswing, at least should be in his career and is, um, you know, he earned that money and now it's time to prove that he's worth that money. So I think asking a guy like that at that point in his career to renegotiate doesn't really make sense to me. Uh, maybe a guy that was kind of on the, you know, on the downhill, if you will. Yeah. Um, and might need to build around him a little bit. Uh, I could see how asking, you know, to trim a little bit there to get a few more weapons might make sense, but I just, I can't see how that would make any sense for the riders to ask Cody to do that. It's, it's hard. If he, if he volunteers, Okay, we'll take it back. Uh, TC is on the line, says, if J.O. doesn't refinance Cody for 2022, they won't be able to afford my boy Sammy Coates. TC still still standing for Sammy Coates, the receiver. Uh, he goes on to say, seriously, he has to take a haircut, and I expect that he will. I I just, I hate that, that it, an employee is being asked to give back money. When we just when we take that and put it into our own lives, there's no chance we're, we're doing that, right? Are, is any of us taking a haircut at work? Because the company, uh, oh, it'll help the company if you take five grand less. We can get somebody better in the sales department if you take five grand less. Or we can get somebody better in, in on the uh, logistics side. We're not doing that in our regular lives. But it's when it's a half a million dollars, it kind of changes the equation and how we approach it. But if, if, you, if you can't build a team with a guy making 512 grand, why'd you sign up 512 grand? Yeah, I think... Um, to their point, the only way that this would even be a thing is if Cody offered, if he was phoned and said, hey, you know what? Yeah. You know, how are things looking, blah, blah, blah. You know, I'd be willing to restructure in some capacity, but I don't see Cody doing that either. Like, why why, why would he do that? Well, and, and Farhan brings up the point of, well, could he get that money on the open market? And the answer may well be no. But what would the riders do uh, from Cody's side, uh, whoever his representation is, would say, well, what are they going to do if they don't sign you? Are they going to go get Jeremiah Masoli or Dane Evans or McLeod Bethel Thompson or one of the free Matt Nichols or Dominic Davis, one of the free agent quarterbacks? They could, but now you're, are you going to pay Matt Nichols? No. <laughs> 350 grand and expect him to replace Cody Fajardo? No. Would another team be interested in Cody Fajardo if he hit the open market? Well, let me count the ways. Uh, if BC, if Michael Riley retires, probably. I know they have Nathan Rourke. Probably. Calgary, they would appear to be set. Edmonton, could you throw Nick Arbuckle over the side if you thought Cody Fajardo was better? Probably. Yeah, but Chris Jones doesn't care for Cody, so we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll take that out of the equation. There's a whole thing in there. Uh, <laughs> Winnipeg, if they can get Kalaros back, they're set. If they can't, they have they don't have anybody. Sean McGuire showed, didn't show it in that one game. Drew Brown has thrown a pass in the Canadian Football League. Hamilton currently has no quarterbacks on its roster. Ottawa, yes, they would absolutely would. Toronto, yes, they absolutely would. Hamilton, we presume, will re-sign one of their own. But if Fajardo hit the market, 
the 2019 West nominee for most outstanding player hit the open market. A guy who can run like he does. Be- I mean, best quarterback runner in the Canadian Football League, provided Strebler doesn't return. But then, is he a quarterback? <laughs> the Riders, the Riders couldn't afford to lose him. There would be a market for him. Is he worth five twelve? I don't know, but there is real danger if the Riders were to go. Yeah, we can't pay you that. So what, I think I think Cody has the leverage, and I like it. But is there like even in other sports? Like, is there stars that their stock is on the rise that have decided to take less money? Like, I can see if you're like like I said the the point before, if their stock is on the way down, maybe. But yeah. but where he's at in his career, it would to me it would make zero sense to. To take in to take less money. The most recent big example would probably be Patrick Mahomes because he locked himself in at forty five million a year for now till the end of time. <laughs> he he could have gotten more money because Mahomes and Cody is not the CFL equivalent of Patrick Mahomes because that's a different class. But he legitimately took less than he could have gotten. He could have held them to the fire for. 50 60 in future years when the salary cap goes up so it it happens brady is legendary for staying in the top 10 in salary but not squeezing every last single dollar out at some point you, you kind of determine well what's important to you do you like the, micah tights wasn't leaving <laughs> what we take away from micah tights interview was i want to be in saskatchewan i love everything about it bring, please bring me back you know pay me the real money but please bring me back right Cody loves it being here, but is he forever tied here, right? That, and that that's the thing that he and his wife kind of have to determine for themselves and the riders have to kind of judge for, for themselves. It would be fascinating. I I don't know what I, I don't... I just don't think... You, it shouldn't be on the player. If, the, if someone gives you a contract and says, you're worth this, it shouldn't be on them to, well, you can make the team better. Because frankly, if Cody took sixty-five grand a year, imagine how great the Riders could be. You could have two two hundred thousand dollars receivers. <laughs> Duke Burnham, boom. But are we going to ask him to do that? Where's the line? Yeah. In that whole thing, and it just makes me uncomfortable. So, uh, what do you think? Fajardo is the second highest-paid player in the league. For it, against it, would you ask him to renegotiate? Could you release him? The text line. Always open to you at 306-936-6262. You can hit me up directly on, t- on Twitter, at DT on SC. 459 News is next. Alan Mitchell on the NHL, next on The Cage. Back to The Cage with DT and the panel. 620 CKRM. 506 on a Wednesday, the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Talking football, talking hockey. Emily Clark going to the Olympics. She'll join us at 5.30. We'll talk curling at 6.05 with the new Saskatchewan champion, Penny Barker of Moose Jaw. Right now, though, a little hockey action with Alan Mitchell. You know him as Low Tide from TSN 1260 in the Athletic. How are you, sir? I'm very well. I'm. Uh, it's warmer than we talked last time, so I'm in a very good mood. Yeah, it, well, I see, I'm, I'm in a good mood about it being warmer, but I'm in a bad mood about... I feel compelled now to chip out and shovel the driveway because it is so balmy today. <laughs> Listen, if you wait till May, you don't have to worry about anything. Oh, I like the way you think. 
And then, yeah, yeah. Then my wife's vehicle got high sided on uh, on Saturday, and we had to dig that out. So I feel like preventative measures will be the way to go uh, <laughs> on that front. Hey, I, I want to talk a bunch of things. Oilers with you. I want to ask you about Evander Kane, but uh, got one in on the text line. Uh, could you ask your NHL insiders where they think my Bruins sit? Who, what they could do to get better? What is your impression, Alan? I'm putting you on the spot about the fourth place in the Atlantic with four games in hand, Boston Bruins. Well, they've tightened up defensively here in the last while. That's a, a good thing. And they, they rasp will help because they don't they can send Slayman down. So the goaltending should be okay. I'd like to see another defenseman. I, I like Grizzlick. I like uh, McAvoy a ton. Uh, Carlo's good. They've got some journeymen who are playing well. I just would really like to see a guy who can play uh, major minutes in the fourth wall. Well, nothing's out there. Uh, I don't know whether they make a trade with Montreal, but maybe that's something they could do. Up front, I think they're going to be okay. They really had a hard time adjusting. Uh, and, and, you know, I mean, I think it's understandable. David Crikey was, was always sort of in the shadow of Patrice Bergeron. But as the second line center, uh, he, he was responsible for a lot of good things. They don't have that now. And they're, they're having a hard time dealing with it. The Taylor Hall had a hard time, uh, getting going. They tweaked it a little bit. I, I think you, I, I a center and maybe a top four defenseman, that's a lot to ask, but that's what I think Boston probably needs. I'm the only one worried about their defense, though, so there's that. Okay, all right. That is that is a solid answer. All right, let's talk about the Edmonton Oilers, and they may sign Evander Kane. What do you? How much stock do you put into the Edmonton Oilers have inquired about Evander Kane? Well, I think they have, and I think that they're, they're all in based on what we know. Uh, and, and we don't, we won't know now because the NHL has said they've stepped in and they're going to do an investigation that's going to take a few days. So it's delayed a little bit. But based on all the information that I've heard and read uh, in the last, say, 36 hours, the owners might not get him, but it won't be uh, because of lack of effort. They, they need a spark. And this is like, uh, for, purely from a hockey point of view, this is like a. Uh, a Banner from heaven. It just is. It's a it's a guy who can make a difference, who can put a charge in your skill lines. You can play him really anywhere. You can play him with Drysaddle. You can play him uh, with McDavid. You can play him with McDavid and Drysaddle. Uh, so he, I, I think he's more dynamic than than their other left wingers. He can score. He's physical. He's got a mean streak to him. He intimidates others. Others really don't have that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and 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 I do think that the things that 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 as a player. Uh, make him valuable are a really good fit for the orders. So they still let me know they're all in. That doesn't mean they'll get him though. Uh, I I noticed within all that you you did not mention and maybe intentionally so any of the off ice stuff that comes with Evander Kane. Is that because that doesn't worry you within the context of the Oilers? No, I, I think it's it, that the, the you. One of the things that I've learned over the years is that there are. Especially in Kane's case, because it's it's a it's a deep list, mm-hmm. and and so there's there's going to be uh, a lot of consideration done on the already by the orders. But there's a lot of due diligence that has to be done that we may not be privy to. So I I think that you know when you're observing any team, doesn't matter what NHL team, I see Tampa Bay has opted out of uh, pursuing uh, Kane. And, and that might come from teammates or people they know or whatever uh, the background check has been. But there's there's two angles on the off-ice issues. One is 
uh, to make sure that the, the Oilers leadership group, McDavid, uh, Dreisaitl, and others, would be comfortable with him. And the other is the, the ramifications of, of signing a player and what, what, from a PR point of view, will be a, a pretty difficult uh, situation. And, and uh, those are areas that, that you know, I could discuss and talk about, but I don't feel like I have any expertise in. And I, I, I do think there will be a, a significant backlash, but I, I don't know really how to judge it. If they were to sign him, I think that there would be uh, a fairly large uh, group of fans who would be uh, expressing dissatisfaction. Whatever that looks like, I don't know. Uh, Alan Mitchell of TSN 1260 with us. If they sign, if they were to go and they were to get uh, Evander Kane, is that, a, is that a one-off move or does that have to be part of a bigger, bigger package of moves in your mind? I think it would have to be uh, a part of uh, not not a huge package of moves, but I think he'd sign Kane to one to one and a half million cap. It's going to be obviously be a very short, like one year deal, I would imagine, and unlikely to be uh, a lot of money. You'd have to move somebody out. It might be it might be some underperforming forwards. Kyle Turris uh, is at, I think one point one two. Uh, there, there's some players that, that they could probably move out comfortably. And, and make room for him. The other thing is that, that uh, through the announcements that the Otters have made recently, Josh Archibald, he's very close to coming back, but he's on his way to coming back. So in that way, there might be more than one move, but I don't think they'll be related. I think they'll arrive as, if they were to sign Kane, they'll obviously make a move. Uh, Tourist would be my guess, but they've got uh, Perlini, Benson, uh, some other wingers there. One, one player I don't think they would move away from is Colton Sevier, who's I really think secured a job here and moved up the depth chart. I love it. I love it. All right. Uh, we need to talk about this this article I read in The Athletic. Uh, it, it had this line, which seems uh, insane on its surface, but then the article does a great job <laughs> in backing it up. Uh, it says, quote, forget the Connor McDavid bump. Yessi Puglia-Yarvi is the real deal after all. And... Uh, please, please tell us the premise of this article and why it is not insane. Because actually, you make a real good case for Yessi Puljujarvi. Well, it's it's, and I was surprised. I I, I started the article saying, it's, I always a lot of people have written about, uh, you know, how much Conor McDavid uh, pumps up the 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 numbers for all the wingers. So I turned around and said, well, who does? the best at pumping up uh, Conor McDavid's numbers, which is ridiculous. But, you know, who's, who is on the ice when Conor McDavid is scoring at the most efficient level and outscoring the opposition? And over his seven years, really, uh, it's, it's Yesipoli Army and Leon Dreisaitl. You know, Dreisaitl is a center. Uh, they always like to employ him there. Mm-hmm. Uh, it qualifies as the most successful winger in terms of making sure that Connor McDavid is scoring at a high level. I think the reason, or at least a big part of the reason, is he's a, he's a really good forechecker. When he turns over pucks, uh, I, uh, I always point to a play against the, the Montreal Canadiens uh, during the Canadian division year, and uh, Thomas Tatar was coming in over the line, the U.S. blue line, uh, against Edmonton, and he had the puck, and Puglia just kind of knocked him off the puck, and the puck was released over to the middle of the ice, and McDavid grabbed it and went down for the goal. And and there, there's a lot of offense from McDavid that's on uh, off the rush, uh, where, where a puck is is just kind of bounces out, and he uh, secures it, and, and then everybody's like, 
oh my God, you know, the, I've got to skate backwards really quickly because McDavid's on the ice. And, and Pogliarvi is really good. He's really good at turning over pucks, not necessarily securing them, but making for loose pucks. And, and, uh, that call, and I think that's one of the reasons why they picked up Zach Hyman, too, because that's another uh, skill that Hyman is a, a Swiss Army knife of skills. One yeah. of them is fair checking and turning over pucks. So I think they, they probably have that covered now, those two guys. I don't think both will play with McDavid forever, but those two guys give them plenty of opportunity to, to turn over pucks during five-on-five play. Which is great, and I mean that was that was the the testimony about Hyman when he went to Toronto was oh this is what he's great for and that's why we're going to throw him up there with Austin Matthews and company and he's going to be amazing. Uh, how long in Puljujarvi will they have that for? Because as you note in the article, he is on what two point three five million dollars over two years. Uh, that's a yeah. that's an extremely low salary. That is, I mean, almost certain to. I, I don't know. What are we talking? Triple, quadruple? Like more money's coming that cat's yeah, way. It's gonna if they wanted to go long, and I don't think they can afford to go long. In all honesty, but if they wanted to go long, this thing could get uh, you know over five. Like he's he's a he's a player who's going to score twenty to twenty five goals this year. Uh, he's a guy who has you know good outscoring numbers at five on five, and the others badly need that kind of player. Uh, Dom Lachishan at the Athletic. Uh, put out for all 32 teams today player cards that give the value, the market value of the player. And in Pugliarvi's case, his salary per year on the deal that he's on now, which expires at the end of this season, is $1.2 million. Mm-hmm. His market value right now is $7.6 million, according to Dom's numbers. And he, he goes really deep into goals, assist points, uh, outscoring, checking, uh, shots for and against, high danger chances for and against, all of those things. So he's, he's a guy who, uh, again, according to Dom's numbers, Hyman, Nuge, uh, Leon, and McDavid are the only players more valuable among the forwards. Wow. <laughs> I'll tell you, I think Holland is likely to do a bridge deal only because I think he has to because of the Duncan Keith contract. So you might see a, a, a really quick one-year 3.75 deal with a, a gentleman's agreement about a longer-term deal when they can afford to. They're going to be crushed for cash here in the summertime. If you're an Oilers fan, uh, it's it's really going to be a sticking wicket because they have some holes. They've got to figure out some things. The cash comes off the books, but a big increase for Darnell Nurse goes on the books. Yeah. It's going to be tight. Turns out the hockey media does know some stuff as the uh, as certain contracts get in the way. The Duncan Keith deal gets in the way of yet something else. Uh, Alan, you and I uh, talk football on your show uh, during the CFL season. I want to throw a quick football question at you. Ready? Sure. Yep. If Cody Fajardo hit the open market this season, do you think, would you want to see him with the Elks? I, I think that he is, would be – I'll tell you what I honestly feel. I think this is a – this is a really good year to sign him, and I'll tell you why. Uh, he still is wildly skilled. He has the ability, but he's kind of on a downbeat year, and, and that's when you want to get a guy like Fajardo because it, it, like, he's perfect for the Canadian Football League. Yep. And, and, you know, for years and years and years, I mean, as long as I've been watching the game, the guys who have his skill set are, uh, number one, they're really valuable. Number two, they're probably paid around what they're worth. And what you always want to do is get a guy who's who's paid less <laughs> than what he's worth. I, I think like he had a tough year last year. Like, and, and part of it, I think, was probably, and I'm not 
say anything you don't know, probably mm-hmm. brought on by by his own words, and, and, and maybe he said some things he couldn't back up. But, but that's going to light a fire. And no matter where he plays, uh, that, that sort of uh, uh, inspiration for him is going to be positive. It's going to be a positive thing. And, and I, like, I think he's going to be – I think he's one of the best quarterbacks in the league. He had a tough year, and, and I would bet on him to rebound. What's that worth? I think quite a bit. And I, I, any, any team that is sort of looking for a quarterback, and as you know, uh, with, with the Elks now having the, the gentleman who's in charge of things, you, know, <laughs> you can say he's got a starting quarterback, but that's until the first day, <laughs> first day of training camp yep. because that will decide. He'll, he'll make his own observations and decisions. So I would say uh, if that were to come to pass, and we're obviously blue skying here, yeah. uh, he would be he, just for the skill set alone, and on the top of that, that I think he's probably looking for a little bit of redemption. Uh, I mean, I, uh, he is a really good Canadian Football League quarterback. He is. Uh, I'm with you on that. Alan, thank you, brother. Appreciate you giving us the time on a Wednesday. All right, you guys be good. He's Alan Mitchell, TSN 1260. You can read him at The Athletic as well. All things Oilers in the NHL. He's with us on the Western Pizza Hotline. Dinner time, game time, anytime. A great time to order Western Pizza. Ask your local Western Pizza location about their specials. It is 520, bottom of the clock. Emily Clark, now two-time Olympian, will join us next, though. The revolution in the NFL, and when is it finally going to come to the CFL? next in the cage you can follow us if you want we're actually quite social on twitter search at sports cage 620 ckrm 522 afternoon rush the calgary stampeders signing tackle Derek dennis it'll be his third go round with the stamps argos re-signing defensive tackle fabian foot the bombers letting go defensive end jonathan congbo so he can sign an nfl deal uh, two Pats players on the NHL Central scouting list for this year's draft. Matthew Keeper, number 17 among North American goalies. Defenseman Leighton Feist, number 193 among North American skaters. If you watched much of the NFL this year, you saw the revolution. Teams going for it on fourth down all the time. Deep in their own end, in games they need to win. You're going to see it in the playoffs this weekend. They went for it on fourth down like they never have before. Fourth and one this season in the NFL. Teams went for it 70% of the time. Fourth and two, 40% of the time. Fourth and three, 20% of the time. And I watched this happen and go, when are we finally going to start doing that in the Canadian Football League? Because... That, for whatever reason, as the NFL has gotten more and more and more aggressive on their final down and using all the downs that are available to them, the CFL has kind of stayed just exactly the same. Fourth and one, the NFL goes for it 69% of the time. The CFL, it's 82% of the time for reasons we'll discuss. Fourth and two, again, 40% of the time for the NFL, 34% of the time in the CFL. Fourth and three, 19%. In the NFL, 11% in the Canadian Football League. Our offensive coordinators and coaches are more scared of short-yarded situations than they are in the NFL, and it doesn't make any sense to me, Abby. Well, I thought there was definitely a a weakness in uh, field goal kickers in the NFL this season. Like, really, compared to previous seasons, it felt like way more field goals were being missed, so there was a lot of... uh, 
lack of faith, I guess, in that parts <laughs> uh, on teams. So I think that was maybe one of the reasons that they decided to go because they think they had better options to maybe keep marching and, and eventually score. And I also think in the CFL, it is a little different because of the old rouge, right? It's like in the CFL, if you if you go for a field goal and you miss it, there's a good chance you're probably still getting at least one point out of the deal. Yeah, fair. It, that would apply to things inside, say, their 45, right? But we saw yeah. it, uh, the first Riders game in Calgary. Uh, they end up down 14 nothing, lightning fast because Jason Moss is like, no, we're going for it. And you're like, whoa, what, what is happening here? But other teams just aren't catching up to that. And they get an extra yard in the Canadian Football League is the thing that, that differentiates all this. Third, third and zero, teams go for it all the time. The number is well in excess of 90%. Teams go for it on third and zero because quarterback takes it, jams it up the middle, they start again. But third and two should be the equivalent of fourth and one in the NFL because you get that yard. Right. You get that yard to play with. You get that space. You get to hold on to the ball. And just for whatever reason, it just it just hasn't taken hold yet. Fourth and one, like we said, in the NFL, 70%. If you consider third and two the same, the CFL goes for it half as much with a wider field, with an extra player, it, it it drives me bonkers. And I was glad to see Moss and, and Dickinson come together and pull it out in some spots and be one of the more aggressive teams in the league because the NFL is showing us, hey, you're going to miss it sometimes. Absolutely. You're, you're going to miss it. You're the Chargers. You're going to turn it over on your own 20-yard line early in the game. But you know what you're also going to do? You're going to hold on to the ball. And you're going to score more touchdowns. And you know what? What would you rather watch? Just... Very basic question. <laughs> yeah. Kick a 47-yard field goal or uh, Shaq Evans' touchdown catch? Yeah, no, for sure, obviously. Yeah, we want the touchdowns, right? Go for the touchdown. The thing in the CFL that causes me anxiety on the third downs is when they go in shotgun mode. That's what stresses me out the most because, like you said, you have that yard, so you're like, well, just line up behind them and just yeah. follow the big boys in front of you and, and, and get it. <laughs> when they're in a shotgun, you're like, oh, no, this could end up bad yeah just so many things so many things can happen right like if you uh if Fajardo's going to sneak behind Dan Clark and Logan Furland you're probably getting a couple yards out of it most if he tries the outside you might reel off heck I've seen those go for 60 yards uh if you drop back and you're you're looking to pass kind of everything is available right like you may hit Kyron Moore on a streak pattern and not miss him by three yards and boom he's in for the touchdown there's there are three downs to play with for a reason. And this thing where coaches go, uh, it's third and one and a half, so now I can't do it. Come on. Oh, I trust my defense. But you don't trust your offense? Come on. The NFL can do it. All the things that all the things that make their game less offensively inclined than ours. We need to start going for it more. I will be delighted. I would love to hear what Rider Nation has to say about this conversation because it's a, it, you do make a, a good point for sure because yeah. um, the percentages seem to be in the favor that the more you do this, the more you're probably going to have success at it. Yeah, and and here's the, here's the thing, just to, just to throw some final ones at you. You say, well, we don't go for it very much. Well, how, how often do we convert it? Over the last six years, third and zero, 90% of the time. Third and one, 80% of the time. Third and two, teams convert 70% of the time. Third and three, uh, 60% of the time. And it stays pretty consistent at about 60% for a real run there. You know, yeah, there's value to holding on to the ball. And you don't have to put your defense back out there. And if you miss it, uh, hey, they're not guaranteed anything. 
teams do not score nearly as often as I think you as I think coaches think they do. So hold on to the ball and let's get more going for it on third down. Better experience for us as fans, too. What do you think? The text line is 306-936-6262. More third downs? Are you in favor? Are you on Team DT for let's go for it on third down like all the time? Like all the time? Not all the time, but all the time? Love having you with us here on the Sports Cage. It is 528. Now two-time Olympian Emily Clark joins us next in the cage. 620 CKRM is your source for the sports cage. If you've got something to say, call or text 306-936-6262 or call toll-free 1-866-767-0620. Here's your host, Derek Taylor. 531 on a Wednesday, the sports cage on 620 CKRM. You heard it yesterday Canada announcing its roster for the uh, for our national women's hockey team that will go to the Olympics, and we were waiting, and I was forced into a very dramatic situation where I thought, are they somehow not going to say Emily Clark's name? And then all of a sudden, a young girl skates up, slams on the brakes, and says, Emily Clark of Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, the world champion is with us on the line. Emily, congratulations on another Olympics. Thank you very much. I was happy to hear my name, too. How do you find out? Because we were all watching it online, but how do you find out? Um, we actually have meetings with um, the entire coaching staff and our GM, Gina Kingsbury. Um, and it's funny because it's, it's actually a relatively short phone call because okay. um, they have to make a lot of them back-to-back. But, um, yeah, obviously you don't really hear that much after you hear you made it anyway. So, um, obviously a really fun phone call. And, I was at home at the time that I got the news, so I got to share it with my family right away, and that was really special. That's great. Uh, as an outsider, I thought no-brainer that you're back. Did you? Were you of the, it's a no-brainer that I'm back? <laughs> I'm not sure if I would um, put it like that, but, um, I'm, I mean, I've put in a lot of work, and, um, I mean, it's just about putting the work in every day and setting yourself up for success, and I felt that I did that. Yeah, and and you are back with the the uh, what uh, Team Canada for a second consecutive Olympics. I, I, I'm taking it back. Uh, I was with uh, Clayton Croker is one of the hosts of the show here, and he had a story with us. He grew up in Saskatoon, and I want to I want to see if his uh, I want to run his story by you because it involves you and your brother uh, and and you're oh. growing up playing hockey. I want to I want to see if it's true. Are you ready? Ready. Uh, you have an older brother, yes. I have four of them, but oh. I believe my brother Robbie is um, same age as Clayton. Okay, so he said uh, when when we were playing pee wee hockey, I played with Emily's older brother, and we had like a friends and family game. And Emily, who was probably seven or eight at the time, he essentially said you came out and ripped everybody apart, even though they were five <laughs> years older. Is is there is that story true? <laughs> I'm not sure if it rings. I mean, it might be. I've, I. I mean, I was a rink rat, so anytime there was ice with my brothers, I was on there. You and I'm, I'm assuming you were pretty good at the age of seven or eight. <laughs> I mean, maybe relative to other seven, eight-year-olds, but we'll, I'm not sure. I'll have to right. fact-check my my parents <laughs> about that. All right, I respect that. Uh, the Olympics themselves, you, you've been to one. This will be number two. Are they different from other major tournaments like the World Championships? You've been at the World Under-18s. Are the Olympics different? Yeah, I, w- I would say. I mean, the Olympics is always the dream when you're a kid and you always want to play for Team Canada. And once you first get that chance and you get to go to world championships, that's obviously a dream come true. But 
I think when I walked into opening ceremonies in 2018, I was just overwhelmed with this feeling like no, this, this is the dream coming true officially. And um, so obviously anytime you represent Canada and I mean, getting to play for team Canada and itself at these world championships, um, you know, I get to live out my dream anytime I go to the rink and do that. But um, you know, there's obviously a different layer to the Olympics and being a part of the bigger team Canada and knowing um, that, you know, everyone back home is watching you and um, stuff like that. So yeah. it, it does make it a little extra special. What was the moment, the first moment from 2018 where you went, oh, I'm at the Olympics, oh boy? <laughs> uh, honestly, it's probably, well, there's many moments. And like once you're on your way there, you just, the whole time you're like, I want to perform, but I also am going to the freaking Olympics. Like I want to enjoy <laughs> everything there is to enjoy, whether it's, finding your way around the village, trying a bunch of stuff in the cafeteria, all that good stuff. But I think outside of the opening ceremonies for me was when we got delivered our suitcase with all the clothing. That was like pretty special and fun day and trying on all the ceremony outfits and the media outfits, all that kind of stuff. It's um, it's kind of a little fun fun part about it that uh, doesn't really get talked about too much. Yeah, that is fantastic. Emily Clark with us here on the sports cage. Uh, I will, I can probably safely say in my lifetime, I will never get to North Korea. What do you, what, what did you get to see of North Korea and what, what is North Korea like? Uh, well, we're actually here in South Korea, but, Oh um, God, what am I talking we about? Were... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's okay. Apologies. Um, no problem. But we, um, we actually, at the last one, like we went out, I think like two, two and a half weeks early um, and spent some time in a city called Icheon, South Korea, um, just to get acclimatized and all that. And I mean, it, it was really cool. Um, most of that trip was spent uh, at the hotel in the rink, to be honest, <laughs> prepping, but we did get a day in Seoul, South Korea, and that was really cool. Um, I, was, I think we were close to downtown and I was stumbling through some alleys with uh, my teammates just exploring and um, we were hungry. So we stopped at this place that a woman was making dumplings in the window. So we thought we'd um, give it a try. And then we walk in and end up being a Michelin rated restaurant. We had no idea. Um, and it was amazing. <laughs> so you just, you just walk it down an alleyway and you stumble on one of the world's finest restaurants. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was, yeah, it was hard to explain. It felt like we we're kind of in the middle of nowhere. And then um, all of a sudden that was not the case. <laughs> okay. Recommended? Like it, it was deserving of its Michelin star? <laughs> yeah, it was, but I, there's no chance I could get you back there. <laughs> <laughs> you, have, you, you have no idea. A hidden gem in somewhere in, in South Korea. Ha yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, hockey's taken you a bunch of places. Has it ever taken you to China before? Like, is this now your first trip to China coming? This will be my first trip to China, yep. Okay. What, what are you... I mean, apart from the, the whatever time you get away from the hockey part, what are you hoping to see, experience? What do you what do you have hopes for, or, or are you not even thinking about that? Yeah, to be honest, I think I'll just um, hit the ground running and see see what we have access to. Um, I heard a rumor that uh, you might be able to see the Great Wall of China um, on one of our travels, so that would be cool, even just to see it from a distance. Um, but other than that, yeah, I'm just kind of going to take it day by day and, um, you know, look forward to getting my clothing again and probably see what's in the cafeteria. I, I think of, and 
you put a ton of work to get to the point you're in, but you get to do this thing you love. And then, oh, by the way, you get to see parts of the world that a lot of us will never get to see just as a, an ancillary benefit of what you do. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm, I'm super grateful for the journey I've been on. I've gotten to travel the world. I've gotten to get my education paid for and experience um, University of Wisconsin. Um, yeah, I, I get to go. I, I love my life. I'm not going to lie. I get to live out my dream and have some fun along the way. That sounds pretty darn good. Emily Clark, a two-time Olympian with us on the Western Pizza Hotline. I, we, at this time of year is, and this time in our, our history is all about COVID. Will there be COVID-related restrictions? Do you know what you're in for as far as that goes at the Olympics? Yeah, to be honest, to be honest, probably um, not entirely, but um, we're so lucky that we were surrounded by such good medical staff and personnel that they make it pretty easy for us to get a focus on the task at hand. And, um, you know, obviously we'll follow whatever protocol we need to, but um, it's pretty nice that we just get to go to the rink, put in the work, have fun, and trust that we're being as safe as possible. Can you handicap this year's tournament for us? Uh, we're, we're used to from the outside thinking, well, okay, it's going to be – it's going to be Canada. It's going to be the U.S. But is there anybody else that's going to be, you know, worth watching as we as we view it from back here? Um, yeah, I mean, at the World Championships, we had a, a lot of great games. Finland is an extremely skilled team. Um, Switzerland has a lot of amazing players on it, too. So uh, I believe we play uh, those two teams and the U.S. So, um, I, I mean, I think any game that Canada's playing then will be worth watching for sure. Oh yeah, I, I think so. With, uh, I mean, I'm. This is me. I'm not watching the men's hockey side at all. I don't. I don't know what's going to happen there, but uh, I, I'm focused on what's going to be happening uh, on the women's side. What have you been up to? We talked to you last after the World Championships. What's been your life kind of since then? Has it been getting ready for this, or what have you been up to the last five months or so? <laughs> yeah, no, it's pretty much been entirely prepping for the Olympics. Um, on years. The year before the Olympics, we're all, we call it centralized. So our whole group is in Calgary, um, training day in, day out with each other. Uh, we traveled a lot this year. We spent um, the month of November living out of our suitcases. Uh, we got to go to Finland, play them a handful of times, play the U.S., uh, I want to say five, six times this season, too. Um, so, yeah, just preparing for wanting to win that gold medal. I like it. I like it a lot. All right, Emily, I'll let you go on the back of this one uh, because I always fall back to numbers, and this one caught me off guard. Uh, you first uh, represented Canada, is this right, uh, in August of 2011? A, a decade ago? You've been, it's been 10 years you've been representing our country. What? Yeah, I guess so, yeah. Uh, it hasn't felt like that, but I, yeah, I do believe that's my first chance with the under-18 team was in 2011. For a decade, that's almost half your life. That's amazing. Like honestly, that's just amazing. I, I'm for for that long. You've been. I mean, we're proud of you as as a Saskatchewanian. But for that long, you've been able to represent your country. I think that is absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, no, I've been very very fortunate. Um, like I said, I, I don't want to overuse the term "living the dream," but um, I mean, I, I get to have fun and. I love hockey still. I'm still a rink rat like I was probably trying to chase Clayton down the ice and <laughs> this story. So, um, no, I, I love what I get to do, and lucky I've been able to do it for so long. Yeah, I think Clayton used the phrase, she went bar down on me at the age of seven. So I think, <laughs> I think that visual is tremendous. 
That is awesome. Uh, Emily, I appreciate you giving us the time today. Absolutely knock them dead in China. We're, we'll be rooting for you all the way through. All the best, and I hope an Olympic gold medals in your future. Thank you so much. Definitely showing the love and support from everyone back home. So thanks for having me again, and hopefully we'll chat. Have a good conversation in a couple more weeks. I love it. I love it. She is Emily Clark, Saskatoon's finest. Nice enough to be with us on the Western Pizza Hotline. Dinner time, game time, anytime. A great time to order Western Pizza. Ask your local Western Pizza location about their specials. The women get underway on February the 2nd. I don't know why I thought the Olympics were in North Korea. But they sent North Korea sent. A, that would think, have been a totally different story for sure. Yeah, I, North Korea sent a team to South Korea, Pyeongchang, for the Olympics. I just the whole day I'm like, I wonder what North Korea was like. And in the meantime, yeah, yeah. oh right, yeah. Don't you love those? Those are <laughs> those are the yeah, best. Yeah, not that one. Most people don't have to have those live on the radio. But here we are. It's five forty three. Speaking of champions, Saskatchewan's curling champion, Penny Barker, Moose Jaw's finest, will join us at 6.05. Talk about her second trip to the Scotties coming up at the end of the month. The Sports Cage on 6.20 CKRM. Your source for everything riders, pats, rams, and more. It's the Sports Cage on 6.20 CKRM. 5.44, time for the sports ticker. The Riders re-signing running back Jamal Morrow on this day. Morrow started one game in 2021, and he also returned a punt for a touchdown in the Western semifinal. Elk signing linebacker Matthew Thomas. Riders released him from their practice squad back in October. The sports ticker brought to you by Bronco Plumbing and Heating, where professional service is guaranteed. They'll treat you right. 781 20 90. Uh, I am, Abby, firmly on the side of I don't know what's going to happen in men's Olympic hockey, and I will not be watching. Clayton insists he loves it, regardless of who's there, and especially because, you know, some of these guys that we may have forgotten about in year, from years past uh, are going to be there. Where are you on the men's Olympic hockey this year? You know what? I think it's exciting because, again, these are guys that uh, – normally wouldn't have got a chance to represent their country, so they're going to give it their all. And there are going to be heroes. There are going to be guys that, that uh, again, that wouldn't be normal conversation every day that we will be chatting about because of uh, their performance for our country. Okay, I'm going, to put, I'm going to put it out there for you. I'm going to put you to the test. Uh, <laughs> Four-man bobsled finals. Uh, pairs figure skating, men's hockey, and... Uh, giant slalom are all on the same time. What are the odds that you're watching the men's hockey game? Well, I do love hockey, so there's a good chance. That oh, I'm watching okay. That one. Yeah, so yeah, for you're sure. You're dedicated yeah. to it in that case. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Yep. Each of those other three, I just it'll still be, it's still going to be good hockey. Like, come on. I mean, I know oh, it's not going to be the elite, you know, the Connor McDavid's of the world playing, but I mean, it's going to still be really good hockey. So I, you know. Of course, I think lots of people are going to tune in and check it out. Obviously, yeah. watching you know bobsledding and stuff is kind of cool, but you know that's usually what I find myself watching at like two a.m. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm there till like three thirty, and I'm like, I got to go to bed. Why am I watching this? Try to figure out who's the person that thought skeleton was a good idea, going down head first at eighty miles an hour. Be like, I, how do you guy? How do you do this? You're all not, how does two person work? This doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I. I am just, I wanted it to be the NHLers, and we saw a month ago, it just was not going to happen, and I just, I can't wake up for it. I can't get up for it, just because I want it to be the best of the best. The absolute, I mean, 2010 was unbelievable. Like, our whole office just stopped 
as we watch Canada and the U.S. And, and you're like, oh, my God, this is unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, it's just it's when it's not the best of the best. And the women's side is here's our best players. Here's the America's best players. We'll see you in the gold medal game and they're going to go after it. These the players that will play are 30 times better than anybody I ever played on the ice with. But it's just I it just sapped all my energy for it. And I thought, well, you know what? OK, I'm going to watch whoever the new Perman Zerbriggen is in the in the giant slalom. Just because I, I can't do it, you got to turn that frown upside down, my friend. That's true. Come on, put on your maple leaf and uh, <laughs> a... and, and be excited about uh, hockey. You know, this—it's kind of a blessing comfort. in disguise for uh, for the NHL. I know we all want them to be there, but obviously, with all the pausing of games and stuff, this window where the players are supposed to be away is going to give them a chance to reschedule a lot of those games that they wouldn't have got to uh, make up. So it won't, yeah, potentially hiccup the uh, the season. You know finishing later than than it should so and and thank goodness for that and to our conversation with alan mitchell uh, on twitter at low tide uh, before the oilers need something going on and they have i mean everybody's kind of waiting for something enormous to happen be it the mike babcock questions that were being asked a week ago or now the evander kane questions that you and i were talking about this during the break it's Connor McDavid's seventh season in the National Hockey League. He's been, I don't know, a top five player for all seven of them, Pretty much, at least yeah. six of them, at the very at the very least. And they have not done anything in the playoffs, and that is remarkable. On it, that's honestly remarkable that you could have the best player in the world, and wherever you want to put Drysital. And sometimes he's been the second best player in the league yeah. on the same team and nada. Well, I mean, there's more to it than the two of them for sure, but we have seen dynamic duos win Stanley Cups in the past. Obviously, Crosby Malkin, Taves Kane, you know, I mean, they've got those guys, but they need just a little bit more. And obviously, they've been struggling with goaltending and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, there was that discussion about, uh, you know, coaching change. I think Holland said that he's not going there. That's not going to happen. So it'll be interesting to see whether they bring, whether they go there with Kane. If it if they do, it'll be a very short experiment. I think just to, <laughs> you know, just to to make it happen because um, obviously be he's got he's got the skills. There's just everything that goes with it that I don't know everybody wants. But yeah, if it's a shortened part of the season and they can kind of keep him under wraps, and I mean if you're a Vander Kane and you got choices. He's from the teams that I've heard that that are have inquired about him. All three of them have potential to win the Stanley Cup. Yeah. So if you're him, it's a it's a you know, do I want to go to Florida? Do I want to go to Tampa Bay, which you know also in Florida, or do I want to go to Edmonton but play with Connor McDavid, which would be a total you know highlight as well. So yeah, there's there's winning the Stanley Cup, and there's what sets me up because I mean he he just got cut from his seven-year 49 million dollar contract and he scores like a guy who play who makes seven and 49 and if you played alongside Connor mcdavid for 40 games and you happen to score 23 goals whatever a, a real number realistic number would be oh hey by the way and i and i fixed myself and i'm not doing this and this is all cleared up and i'm gonna be a great dude for you Okay, here's here's a bunch of money. You have the opportunity to make a ton of money in your next deal because he's what thirty. He's still got a ton of time. Physically, he's still got a ton of time left. Whether he 
talks himself out of that through his actions, a whole different conversation. Yeah, it seems to me that the you know tax is a little bit different in Florida than it is in you know Alberta as well. So oh, yeah. it might play into his decision because he'll probably end up with more money in his pocket if he stays in the States. You're going to get road tax when you go places. Like the, the jock tax that you're going to run into in a bunch of states too. Yeah. When you go, uh, I forget if Tennessee was the was the one where they were doing it and then they didn't do it. But oh, you you made your one eighty second of your salary here. We're going to have to tax you on that. I like doing my taxes. I could not do it as a pro athlete with all the malarkey they, yeah. they get to go through. But Evander Kane is going to get a chance now. Look, sounds like if there's this many, you know, you always he always will kicking right? tires. I mean, he's but you hope that you know gets he's going to get it together and whoever his you know agent is and. Uh, that they can, you know, keep him in line and just stay yeah. focused on, uh, you know, being a great hockey player and, and getting back to what he was, you know, supposed to be doing and on get rid of all the other BS that goes along with him. So yeah, and, and talking about the Oilers and that they've not sniffed the Stanley Cup with McDavid. To your point, they 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 need other things to get it, but they have the they have the hardest parts to acquire, right? The yep. absolute super duper stars that come along once every twenty years. They have that part. So you watch that and go, okay, well, how can you not fill in the other part? Does Connor make too much money to fill in the other part? What is he, $12.5 million a year? Yeah, the conversation we're having in the CFL where I'm cool if, with your quarterback making a ton of money because that's your guy. Connor pulling 12 and a half, it doesn't allow them to do some other things, but he's Connor McDavid and no one else is. So he probably should make that money. Ken Holland, I mean, this is... Their goaltending is is their oh. challenge right now because there's money. There's so much money tied there, and like, what do you do? Because if you're going to make a deal, who is going to take your guys? How much do you have to give to get someone to take Miko Koskinen on his? He makes over four, but under five. Like, yeah, someone's going to have to eat that. Not that I think Koskinen is garbage by any stretch of the imagination, but uh, he just needs to be better. Yeah, and for whatever reason, it's not happening. So. Do you roll the dice and hope that whoever you bring in is going to play better than them because of the change of scenery and whatever it may be that gets them yeah. know, inspired? But yeah, Oiler fans, I have so many friends that are <laughs> Oiler fans. And uh, it's just, yeah, it's such a stressful thing because they, you know, they know that they have the, the, the pieces to win, but they just can't seem to make it happen. Yeah. And even though they get themselves into the playoffs, that's really where it matters anyway. So. Well, and the one Low Tide wrote about last week and talked with us last week about the show was Mark andre Fleury. Yeah. And I, I would assume Oiler fans hear that and go, yes, yep. please. I'd go there for sure. Yep. He mentioned, uh, Low Tide mentioned Jake Allen was the one that he could best figure out a way to get to the Oilers because sure they would have to, Koskinen would have to go to Montreal and you – you have to throw a little sweetener in there. Are we at the point where you just start throwing all the sweeteners in? Because there's going to be a point where the Oilers just have to mortgage everything to try to win a Stanley Cup because Connor McDavid, still super young, will not always be super young and will not always, maybe not always be happy to be in a team that's not winning the way they they would hope they would. Yeah. And to your point before too is, uh, and I can't remember if we said this on the air or not, but <clears throat> this is really like, it feels like this has got to be the year that the Oilers have to, if they're going to load up and go for it. Cause at some point, uh, McDavid and Dreisaitl are, you know, one of them at least probably wouldn't be part of the team. Right. So like you've got them right now. Um, and 
if you're going to win a Stanley Cup, it's going to have to be like like this year. So, if, you know, teams load up for the playoffs. It is their time to start making a statement and say, okay, we are all in yeah. on this run this year. We're going for it. Well, it was the great prophesizer uh, Red from Shawshank Redemption. Get busy living or get busy dying. And the Oilers have to do one of those. Get busy living. Start prop putting something together. The Duncan Keith deal. God. Low Tide brought it up like, well, what gets in the way is is Duncan Keith. Like, yeah, that's kind of what we all saw in the beginning. Either go for it or burn it all down, but don't just hover in the middle. You, to me, you can't just hover in the middle. And honestly, what's the point in the NHL, in the NBA, in the you, to a lesser extent in the in the NFL because trades aren't nearly as common. But just start burning it down. If, if you don't think you're going to get there, but you should think you're going to get there. So, you know, first from 2023, kill maybe I hold on to that because there's some, there's a chance I backdoor to Connor Bedard somehow. If McDavid gets hurt next year or Dreisaitl gets hurt and we somehow get the first overall pick, we'll probably want that. But start, you got to start mortgaging the future for today because is, is Connor McDavid going to be happy there forever? He's never, I've never heard a word from McDavid about, we keep wanting to know, are, does he want to be traded? Does he want to go? Does he want to go somewhere else? Is he going to force his way out? And I don't think I've ever heard a word from Connor McDavid that he wants to be anywhere else. But is that forever? Yeah, at some point, you look at your trophy collection, and you're like, yeah, it's great. I've won all these scoring titles, and I've done this. And, but the one that I want is not, like, I don't have my name on it. Yeah. It's not there. I want to win the Stanley Cup. In the How do City I do that champions. the best? Yeah, well, right as they say. Are they still are they still called the City of Champions? Well, it's been ninety for the hockey team. It was fifteen for the football team. Uh, yeah, the Edmonton Stingers are crushing it in the CEBL. So I mean, there's that. If they're holding that title, yeah, for yeah. sure. But and the Oil Kings are pretty good. So you yeah, know. Um, but, yeah. We've we've probably talked about it for a couple of years. Like, there's going to be a point, and this now comes on Ken Holland and someone uh, on Twitter. Uh, Low Tide had mentioned Dom Lecision, who writes for The Athletic and does some great work. He retweeted this one, and it was kind of a year-by-year year of Ken Holland's career and trades he made. And I don't nearly have time to go back and fact-check and see all the other trades that he made, but you look at all the deals that Ken Holland has made, and you go, oh, I don't, I don't know if you're particularly good or you've had a real good run the last little while because here is every year of evidence. Holland's got to do... Like, if nothing happens by the deadline, why is an Oiler fan sticking around? Hey, the, la- the playoffs last year, it was bombing out so fast to the Jets. A yeah. winnable playoff period for them. Montreal came out of the out of the North. Montre- Montreal is absolutely terrible at hockey right now. Yeah. And they came out of the North. That should have been the Oilers. Yeah. And it was not it's amazing how it's also such a mental thing like most sports are but it, when they were playing like carefree it seemed like they were just dominating everybody and now that they're in this slump and it's in their heads yeah th- you know they are really struggling to figure out how to put a w together and you can't keep getting scored on first which is their problem they're <laughs> always chasing trying to come from behind yeah and that has gonna have to stop real soon if they're going to have any hopes like you imagine if they missed the playoffs like that would just be an absolute disaster (laughs) and meanwhile the flames like nobody even thought they were going to do anything and they've been playing fantastic sutter's got them right where they need to be like just 
Sports is that's why I love sports. It's so addicting. <laughs> There's so much to it. Yeah. The Oilers were absolutely on fire, and then what is it? Eleven of the last thirteen uh, have not gone their way. They are ten days off. They'll be back on Saturday when they take on Ottawa. Hopefully things will have turned out around in that time. Maybe. As they, yeah, navigating through COVID protocols and folks missing in action. It's 5.58. News is next. On the other side, Saskatchewan Scotty's champion Penny Barker steps into the cage. On the sports cage, there's always something to say. So say it. 306-936-6262. Out of town, call toll-free 1-866-767-0620. Back to the cage with Derek and the panel. 6.04 on a Wednesday. It's the Sports Cage on 6.20 CKRM. If you miss any of today's show, get the Sports Cage on demand for the Canadian Brew House. Winter wonderful feature dishes are available now at the Canadian Brew House. The Scotties in Assiniboia wrapped up over the weekend, and we have a new champion of the province of Saskatchewan. With us on the line now, Penny Barker. Penny, congratulations. Thank you very much. How was it for you? You took a you took a few years off from winning the provincial Scotties. How was winning this one? Oh, it felt amazing. Um, we've had a a pretty good season and um, just kept working hard and um, playing consistently. So it was nice to kind of peak at the same or at, at the right time and and get the championship. And we're very excited and and ready to play at the nationals in Thunderpay at the end of the month. I love it. I love it. Uh, looking at the the uh, the tournament that you had in the you played the Chelsea Carey in the final, you win that one 7 to 5. I as I look at the the line score of that match, you stole in the first end of that match, yes? Yeah, we did. Is there any better feeling in curling than stealing in the first end? Well, I mean winning is pretty good. Well, yeah. <laughs> no, but uh, yeah, that's a, a steal in the first end does really help it kind of just allows you to well the the hammer advantage kind of goes away at that point so yeah you're able to get on the board early but the, it's, it's a long game and so like i mean that that's not gonna that's not gonna hold up the whole time but it definitely helps well you like you say the hammer is such an advantage in curling that i just i feel like well okay well she has the hammer because, uh, you know, she into the final through the A event, I presume, and she's yep. got the hammer, and then all of a sudden, bam, it's one nothing for, for you, and you go, oh, okay, well, all right, this this is a whole new feeling. What what was that final like? Because uh, you had played Carrie, th- this was now the third time in the event, and she had taken the first two. What, what was going into that third match like for you? Um, I think we just tried to treat it as a brand new game. It didn't really matter what had happened in the previous matchups or what had happened all weekend. Really, it's a one-game showdown. So our our thoughts going in were just you know one one shot at a time. You know, focus on the process, making each shot. Don't worry about you know uh, what game we're playing in. It doesn't really matter that it's the championship final. It's just another game where we have to make shots. So we try yeah. not to put too much pressure on, on the situation um, and just focus on, on the process. So just just a way to keep ourselves a little bit more relaxed and in the moment. Yeah. How do you, when you came into that, I'm curious if, if among the four of you, you discussed the first two matches or you just went, boom, clean slate, let's go? Yeah, boom, clean slate, let's go. Yeah. Pretty much, yeah. It, it really didn't matter. Uh, all we knew, like, after those ones, it's like, 
you talk about it, you say, hey, there's a couple shots here or there that if we, you know, made those, maybe the game goes differently. And so that's, that's yeah, you think about it that way. And Or if it wasn't a game where it went, well, what did it matter? It doesn't matter going forward. That's the past. We, we've always just as a team, you know, whether it's in the middle of the game or, you know, brand new game, it's whatever happened in the past, we're not going to worry about it and just focus on, on what we can control, which is our future shots. I like that. I like that. Penny Barker, the skip of Team Saskatchewan, with us on the Western Pizza Hotline. Uh, you stole three times in the final. What was different in the final match? Um, I think it was just a matter of execution in, in moments where, you know, we made some – they had some good ends shaping up too, and, and you make the right shot at the right time, and it can take those ends away. Um, and then when we had our opportunities to uh, to steal or you know get multiples, it's um, you know capitalizing on those and and putting more pressure on. So mm-hmm. uh, playing a little bit more offense, and and um, it, it worked for us. I came so. I'm really proud of how the girls played. There was a lot of key shots, key moments, and without those, the game definitely could have gone the other way. I'm I'm assuming uh, this is a different rink than you had in 2017 when you went to the Scotties. Would this have been the biggest match as that your current foursome has played? Yeah, it definitely is up there. Okay. Um, I, yeah, I would say it is. We played, um, I mean, every every game that you play coming up there, you uh, getting up to that point is important. Otherwise, you don't get there. So, I mean, each game is important. Um, but the last game always uh, is always the big one. Yeah. Um, we played a pre- the pre-trials, the Olympic pre-trials earlier, earlier this year and, and had a decent showing. And um, the last game was really um, a chance to get into the playoffs of the pre-trials and so that was a pretty big matchup, and I think that helps us helped us prepare for that moment of, you know, there was a lot of pressure going into that game, and to so be just reflecting on that and figuring out, you know, how do we perform better in that in that environment, and I think that helped us with this game. So definitely, biggest game we played as a team, the the pre trials and every other game that we played up to this point has, has really helped. So. Oh. Okay, so we'll say one of the biggest games you've played as a foursome. Yeah. What yeah. does it mean to you to be able to make to to have that kind of performance to make those clutch shots in such a big moment? Because it, I mean, in sports at your level, we've seen people absolutely wilt under pressure like that. But you guys were you as a foursome were able to to make those shots. I think it just gives us that little bit of um, confidence in knowing that you can do it, like the. A lot of that is, um, you know, giving yourself permission to to make those shots in the situation, and and uh, but also just realizing it's just another shot, and yeah. um, <laughs> like you've made them before, but maybe in a different situation, right? And so trying to take take the situation out of the shot and just realize it's just weight and broom, throw out the broom with the right weight and sweep it the way we always do, and you hope for the result. So. I, yeah, it's a matter of just, you know, taking a deep breath in those moments and, and going with it. What's, I, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Hoosiers, but they're they're going, well, the hoop here is 10 feet and the free throw line is 15 feet, just like back home. It's it's so yeah. funny that, that sports, uh, so much of it comes down to, and I assume it's other aspects of life too, 
But everything is exactly the same except for the pressure that you put on yourself. Honestly, your brain kind of fools you like, oh, this isn't just a standard intern draw. This is an intern draw with the provincial championship on the line kind of thing. Exactly. So this funny. isn't just an open hit. This is the open hit for the win. Like, <laughs> um, yeah, there's that little bit of extra, and, and it's really easy to overthrow those um, because you're, you're – <laughs> Blood pressure's on real high, and uh, oh, so it's about calming yourself down. Uh, I can imagine. She is Penny Barker with us on the Western Pizza Hotline. Uh, you were at the Scotties in 2017. What lessons have you taken away from your first time at the Scotties that you may be able to to use this year? Um, like I think we hadn't at that point. Like I hadn't played a lot on arena ice. And so over the last five years, we've, we've tried to find our opportunities to play on arena ice and, and get more experience in that setting. Um, and then, you know, I think we, we put a lot of pressure on ourselves when we went last time and, and um, we just need to relax and, and just, like as I was saying before, just focus mm-hmm. on making shots the way we know how. Um, so I think it's just kind of having been there, you know what the environment's going to be like. That part isn't going to be new for for us. Chris, this is Christie's first time, but um, three of us have, have at least been there before. So it's kind of knowing what what the atmosphere is going to look like, even though it might be a little bit different um, with COVID. But, uh, yeah, I think it's just a matter of taking that, that pressure that we kind of had put on ourselves out of the equation and just focusing on uh, playing or throwing consistently and, and making shots, and uh, not put that like ultimate. Hey, we're at the national Scotties over top of that. Yeah, uh, curling one hundred and one, if you would. Um, arena ice versus uh, just just general curling rink ice. What what's the difference? What does it demand of you? Um, it's there's usually a lot of curl involved, a lot more curl than. You would get on a standard on in Saturday, so um, it's quick. Okay. Fast, so uh, it's making sure you give yourself enough ice to get around a guard because you know you can finish it with the sweep at the end. And so, get uh, yeah, we were backing on a lot of guards last time we went because it just wasn't giving enough ice and and you know just opening it up and trusting that it's going to curl is a big part of it. Just that knowledge of um, playing on that ice and, and what it feels like sliding out. So yeah, it's a little thing, but it, it can go a long way when you have um, the experience with it. Yeah. It, it sounds like just from how you describe it, maybe quicker decision-making important too, at that level. Oh yeah, for sure. Okay. Um, you don't, you definitely don't want to uh, put yourself in a situation at that level where don't have enough time to to make your make a good decision and you're just making the quick decision i love it i i love the fact that uh that uh you'll be back i i love the fact that uh, i believe uh, i haven't seen the who are going to be the wild cards but chelsea carey could be there as well and we could have two saskatchewan rinks competing yeah that'd be good yeah yeah that that would be great uh if you guys meet in the final what are you going to do do you have some you have some things kind of strategy and reserve if it's an all saskatchewan final um i think it really doesn't matter who play it's uh 
it's all the same. It's just us having to make shots against whoever is playing against us. So it doesn't really matter. Um, it'd be great to have two Saskatchewan teams in the final, um, but ultimately it'll be just us focusing us on uh, making shots. I like it. Uh, what, as far as COVID protocols, I mean, it's, it was done last season in the bubble, and it was very, from the outside, it seemed like it was very restrictive. Do you know what, what uh, awaits you in Thunder Bay as far as that goes? Um, not completely. Uh, I think it's going to be similar, but not the same as last year. Um, so still protocols in place to make sure that everybody stays safe. I'm not, um, like, a little bit of quarantining ahead of time, um, testing while we're there and before we leave. Mm-hmm. Um, and then probably, you know, that keeping your circle small just to your team when you're not playing. So, um, and, you know, it's just about being being smart about um, your situations and, and making sure that you're able to play because the last thing we want is we get there and then, we're taken out for the week with COVID. So, um, yeah, everybody's just focusing on being safe, and it's not completely known what those protocols are going to be, I don't think. Yeah, just have to get through the tournament in one piece. Uh, final one yeah. for you. Uh, in your curling life, in your working life, uh, do you miss handshaking? Because I, I realized this week, I'm like, man, I really miss shaking hands. I used to shake hands all the time, but I really miss it. Do you miss it at the end of the match? Yeah, it's 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 really weird to just it, like it's just become the normal, but it's more like the only thing you can really do when you wave at the person from the other side of the sheet is to like try to make eye contact. It's like yeah, that personal feeling of just you know saying good game before and after the game. It's it's gone, but um, it makes sense that we're not doing it right now. So yeah. at least we try to wave to each individual person as we go. So. Um, yeah, it's a little different. I love it. I love it. Uh, Penny, congratulations on the title. We will be rooting for you very hard when you get to Thunder Bay, uh, watching on TV. I appreciate you giving us some time today. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. She's Penny Barker, Scotty's champion for Saskatchewan with uh, Christy Gamble, Jenna Eng, and Daniel Sachinski winning in Assiniboia over the weekend, taking out Chelsea Carey 7-5 in the final. And they have not, as I think of it right now, named the second wildcard team for this year's Scotties. Uh, but as of right, as it stands right now, if they use the same rules they used last time out, it would be Chelsea Carey, thus giving us two Saskatchewan rinks in the mix. Penny, nice enough to join us on the Western Pizza Hotline. Dinner time, game time, anytime. A great time to order Western Pizza. Ask your local Western Pizza location about their specials. 618, more coming inside the cage. If you missed a show or missed part of a show, you can listen on demand at sportscage.ca. Brought to you by the Canadian Brew House and 620 CKRM. 619 on a Wednesday, the sports cage on 620 CKRM. Missed it by 27 seconds. I was like 620 on 620 CKRM, but sometimes sometimes I just miss the post. I don't hit the post. Is that, That's what radio DJs call it, right? Hitting the post. Yeah, it's the post, yeah. <laughs> Got to hit the post. Uh, NHL action, the Montreal Canadiens in Boston. That one just underway. Zinger, we're rooting for your Canadians, even though they are absolutely terrible so far. Toronto and Arizona tonight at 9 o'clock. Austin Matthews 
could break a Maple Leafs record if he scores tonight. That would be nine consecutive road games with a goal. He's got it in eight so far. Pat's back in action on Saturday, on Sunday. Excuse me. Take on the Moose Jaw Warriors. The news from the Pats today. Two of their players making the NHL Central Scouting midseason list. Goaltender Matthew Keeper is the number 17 among North American goalies. And defenseman Leighton Feist, number 193 among North American skaters. Other uh, Saskatchewan players making the list. Saskatoon's Kevin Korchinski, Regina's Kyron Gronick, Saskatoon's Nolan Flamond, and Swift Current goalie Chase Coward, who plays for the Red Deer Rebels, all making the top North American players. Korchinski, number 20 among North American skaters. Uh, he of Saskatoon and the Seattle Thunderbirds as well. Big news from the Riders, and it's one that will have us watching over the next, quick math, 28 days, they re-signed Jamal Morrow to a, to a what we presume to be a one-year contract. Nine carries for 41 yards, three receptions for 29 yards. Of course, the big returns in the West semifinal are kind of the reason that we know and, and love Jamal Morrow. Does this move mean the Riders will move on from William Powell, or does this move just happen in advance of them re-signing William Powell. I have no idea, but I'm going to be watching for the next four weeks for sure. Yeah, lots of decisions to be made for sure. Um, obviously, we've talked lots about the receivers, so I think that's hopefully we'll see one of those signings here in the next day or two. That would be nice to see somebody on that list of uh, you know that we need to get re-signed. Shaq Evans, Duke Williams. I... People have said, and 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 I believe it was Low Tide mentioned uh, Kyron Moore. It was probably as Farhone who mentioned Kyron Moore. Kyron tore himself up late, in, like later in the season, right? Uh, what was it, the Toronto game? So, will he be back a hundred percent by the time the season gets underway? I mean, ACLs could go just about any direction. I sure hope that. I don't know what's happening outside here at Rosen 12th. There's a lot of yelling going on. Just stole our focus there for a moment. Yeah. Uh, if Kyron Moore will be back and ready to go, or Ricardo Lewis, who tore his Achilles in that final regular season game. I would have thought, well, Ricardo isn't playing next year, but did you see the Rams game on the weekend where Cam Akers, who tore his Achilles beginning of the season, was back on the right, field yeah, yeah. in January. And you go, five and a half months? This is the Achilles time now? One, well done. But two, I don't know if that's realistic, but it actually gave me some hope that, okay, well, maybe Ricardo is, it's at least remotely possible. Uh, modern medicine is, it's unbelievable what they can do right. now with athletes, for sure. And you don't want them to rush it, but, I mean, we've seen lots of injuries in other uh, sports where you think they'll be out a yeah. whole lot longer, and all of a sudden they're back already. And you're like, okay. Yeah, that guy really wants to come in the door. He is absolutely. Where's where where's Drew's uh, tuxedo guy? How come <laughs> I've never seen tuxedo guy walking down Rose Street here? I'm not sure. As long as uh, you know, know, we're, we're surrounded guy. by glass, so I'm a little paranoid at this moment. But yeah, uh, it's all good. Yeah, hopefully, there may be a gentleman breaking into our building. Uh, we will update you as we go along here. <laughs> yeah, uh, Morrow, I think, in my mind, was absolutely a, a must-re-sign for the Riders. They've seen him. They know, at the very least, he goes into the season as your primary returner. They tried a, a bunch of bodies in the return game. 
Uh, you can put Luchez Purifoy there in spots, and, and you could put Kyron Moore in there in spots, but those guys play on defense and offense, respectively. At the very least, you go into the season knowing Morrow can be your primary returner because, one, he has done it, and, two, he's done it really well. He was the one guy in returns who you really thought, oh, yeah, there's some juice in those legs. This is great. Yeah, no, I'm excited about that signing for sure. Um, and, and, again, he brings that piece of the puzzle and – well, well, will they maybe you know? Will he get more reps? Like, is that where he's going to end up doing the majority of playing here this coming season? Um, that's up yeah. for the the brass to decide for sure. You you know you have that at least. I would hope from Moro's perspective there is something within there that says, well, if I get a bunch of, if I'm your lead running back, you you'll pay me uh, a little bit more money. The the thing with the Jason Moss offense is there isn't. We saw extra guys get get carries right. We would see the occasional. Keenan LaFrance carry uh you would see Morrow played the one game but it, it, under Jason Moss it's one guy like William Powell 168 carries uh the next was Keenan LaFrance at seven like it's one guy yeah. in Jason Moss's system for whatever reason he believes that to be the case you don't see the Marcus Thigpen that you did under Stephen McAdoo uh, any intel on what this this deal is uh, about, like money wise? Have you heard the ride? I haven't heard much. It, just the way the riders phrase these things, it's very. When AC Leonard signed, they very intentionally said it's a two year contract. So I'm used to this, the way they phrase this being a one year deal. If you're moral, you probably don't command much over the league minimum, if anything. But but there might be incentives, to- I guess, because if he ends up being the guy and and carries it more, there could be incentives for yardage and touchdowns and things like that Yeah, or i mean even the chance to if you're moral you go well i'm not going to be on practice roster much of the season so that's a that's a real raise right there yeah right in your actual the contracts may be the same but your take home is much more that's great he he absolutely we saw this little little bit of burst in the 2019 training camp and we saw it again in 21 where he's he was about william powell's size and he had a he had a quickness that was different than powell uh Powell, I think, still very effective. And if the Riders do decide to bring him back, fantastic. If they decide to move on from him, I think they're covered in this spot. Really will be watching over the next four weeks to see. Because we're always trying to figure out, Jeremy O'Day doesn't really give us any tips, right? He keeps, one of the first things Luke said to me, like, I played with J.O., he doesn't tell me anything, he doesn't talk about what's in his head. So you wonder, okay. What is, does today's move mean anything for William Powell? Had it for us on the text line. I'd be saying, texter saying, I'd be happy if he gave that to an offensive lineman. There's the rub because at some point, you you whatever the cap is going to be, and they'll set that whenever the two sides negotiate one. You got to get in under five point whatever million dollars, and if ten percent's already gone for the quarterback, and here's two per, here's four percent for AC Leonard. Yeah, you need to find it somewhere. And but uh, Jamal Moore resigning, I am strongly in favor of that move. Uh, welcome back to the league, Derek Dennis. He resigns with the Calgary Stampeders for the third time. Why does he ever leave Calgary? We have no idea. I uh, I was watching some 2017 tape, and oh right, he was eventually at guard for the Riders because that was the strangest year there ever was but after sitting out 2020 in kind of a contract dispute with the Elks Derek Dennis back with the Stampeders that's a nice move 
for them. Bombers releasing Jonathan Kongbo. He's about to sign in the National Football League. He was a rotation defensive end for them as a Canadian, uh, which is a real nice piece. And the Elks signing Matthew Thomas, who the Riders had signed in 2020 and would eventually release just this past October. So Matthew Thomas uh, getting some love from Chris Jones. It is 6.28 tomorrow on The Cage. Clayton Croker will be here. Yeah, you got the day off. Well, tomorrow and Friday. Driving to Toontown, doing an event up in, in Saskatoon tomorrow. So he will talk to Evan Johnson at 5.05, the Riders' offensive lineman. Nice enough to jump in. Arash Madani, of course, it's Thursday. So that means Glenn Suter and oh so much more. Uh, if you miss any of the show, Sports Cage On Demand, for our friends at the Canadian Brew House, please do subscribe. Leave us a five-star rating and a review. And join Clayton tomorrow for plenty more in the cage.